If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we are here to cover the premiere of Survivor Season 40, Winners at War, uh, titled Greatest of the Greats. And you know what? It was pretty great. It was pretty great. The 19 greats and Ben. Wendell, right? Was it? (laughs) I guess it was Ben and Wendell, yeah. Well, he gestured to his right, and so it was everybody except the person (laughs) to his left, which was Ben. Ah, okay. Which was pretty funny, but... Wow, obviously already, unintentional. Just a minute in, and we're talking about the different ways you can interpret this premiere. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> so it's either Wendell or Ben, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but overall, it was awesome seeing all the winners back. It was very fun seeing how different winners see each other and like how they actually interact, because I think we had a lot of predictions in our preseason show. But seeing some of those come true and kind of seeing unexpected people, uh, fan, like just like, completely fan over the other people on the cast was Mm -hmm. really really exciting and probably my favorite parts of the episode yeah yeah it was just uh we talked about how like uh oh i just lost my train of thought i'm so excited (laughs) um i don't know you need to go i'm i'm thinking and i'm 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 ben in this moment i've just this whole premiere has got to my head (laughs) yeah i i mean i think that basically it was fascinating seeing like preseason, we totally expected people like Adam to kind of just be a ama- Adam Nick them be right surprised and hard like have a hard time managing the like superstardom of dealing with these people. But I never would have expected that from someone like Ben. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really really fascinating to watch and not really not something I expected, but it's something that I think uh, heightened the drama of the episode where you're like, wow, even someone like Ben who really is uncharacteristically charismatic is the guy who, as Mike, uh, Doctor Mike puts it, is uh, has a ferocity that transcends this game. Just like literally burn into like a puddle of goo talking to Boss and Rob mm-hmm. was amazing because that's not who you expect that from it's against type and overall like i thought this was a really really well done episode i have a lot of worries about the twists and stuff but the fact that it had a minor impact on the show was a i was still able to get a lot of entertainment from it Mm -hmm. okay i've come back to what i want to say i think we talked a bit about how um even though these are all winners some of these personalities might not be the most eclectic like that's why an all-star season isn't just winners um but i think what you can say about winners is they have sort of the personality to accomplish this and that does make for these really interesting very uh focused for the most part uh people who are at least present and excited to be there we'll talk about whether they're playing the best but they are they're amped and ready to go yeah i think the one unexpected thing that i don't know if anyone really had this pegged was how honestly bad i think a lot of these people are playing right (laughs) out of i don't know if it's fear of damaging their legacy or what but i think this is two boots where almost no one played particularly well and 
really not what you'd expect because you'd expect put a bunch of amazing players together and what you get is a bunch of amazing cool gameplay but i think instead what you get is a lot of people being scared to do anything because they know that there's it's harder to pull the wool over people's eyes so like you don't want to try things because you know it can backfire way easier Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to take massive credit for being like Amber and Natalie are the first boots and getting that 100% right. But I also think you can just sort of look at the season and if you stack up the odds, just they're people who have these strong connections. And in this sort of, uh, as Parvati puts it, everyone has a revolver behind their back, uh, this sort of atmosphere where any one wrong thing can lead to going. Those two, with their strong connections, just made for very obvious first boots. And I think... Yeah, in hindsight, I mean, whoever... And we kind of call this, too, of, like, why didn't... um, Like, why why is Jeremy and Natalie on the same tribe? We kind of called it. I didn't think Mm -hmm. it would have the effect it did. And honestly, in hindsight, this has got to be one of the worst production decisions of all time, I think. Putting people with that much history just together on a tribe when you could split them up very, very easily. Don't know what they were thinking. I'd like to hear some sort of like explanation of what they thought would happen. Well, I mean, looking at this premiere, it's just, and we'll talk about it as a theme, but the season is just swamped with connections. And I think more than um all stars was or even any other past all returnee seasons this one wants to really address those uh, to the point of showing a non-survivor flashback um so i think it was just an impossible task to perfectly situate everyone because i mean on the other tribe you have this trio of sandra sarah and tony who all played on the same season are all working together and were in the majority for this vote yeah, I mean, I think that's a better argument for splitting up Jeremy and Natalie, though, is flip Natalie and Sarah. And then I feel like you have so many less problems. Have Sarah True. and Poverty ever talked? Probably not. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I do think that Natalie deserves like like a moment of silence almost for right. I feel like one of Natalie or Jeremy was probably always going to go mm-hmm. at least very early because it's just such you're sitting there such an obvious threat when when people when we talk about second like second tier winners we talk about natalie inheriting the torch from jeremy like you her win is so connected to jeremy Mm -hmm. that everyone thinks about them together like right i mean every season of this podcast we've been like is this the new jeremy to natalie yes and it's never is but it's so important to us it is because it's really an uncharacteristic like most winner stories aren't that clearly well told right like i think san juan del sur does an amazing job telling you how natalie won and how natalie mm-hmm. won is she was best friends with jeremy well she was really mad that her sister got voted out which it's hilarious that she is now like also first boot very very funny like very survivor gods uh definitely working on that which means i think jeremy wins this season like i feel like that's how yeah, math works. is uh jeremy inheriting the torch from natalie a la natalie inheriting the torch from jeremy <laughs> very possible yeah. it could also mean that jeremy's the merge boot and then someone else whoever you know yeah but he could become natalie Nat- and or he could become yeah jeremy who becomes somebody else but um <laughs> no i think i feel really bad for natalie she deserves a lot of credit probably because like okay 
granted i'll say that but then also how are you not confirming a name before you go to tribal right there was just there's this weird like i've never been a surveyor player so maybe it's harder than i give it credit but like so much of this cast for winning is so afraid to say anything like names like sandra wouldn't confirm that kim was the target when kim came to ask about it jeremy's like i don't know who went off walking in the woods when everybody knew but jeff it's just Mm -hmm. bizarre this bizarre tiptoeing in this season so far is interesting yeah i feel like a lot of it had to do with like sierra easton and game changers where like she walks up and says a name and everyone's like okay we'll vote sierra out then Mm -hmm. um but i don't know it i agree it was and it almost gave so much power to the people that we expected people to target and like Rob, I guess we kind of thought Rob would do well for this reason, but Rob's like, if I don't say a name, I'm probably the name. Mm-hmm. So Rob's able to inherit a lot of power really quickly, which I thought was actually awesome. And I thought overall that what this episode did really, really well was the stuff with like the icons. I thought like Parvati was an incredible character and just seeing her back to basically the same was for amazing. Sure. Seeing her and Rob on the beach being like like Russell and Parvati kind of like it's the vibe I got was awesome. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job kind of giving a lot of these people stories and catching up to what they've been doing since yes, or how, how their current experience relates to their win. Yes. And you can tell there is so much intention beyond making this a two part two hour episode because you do have people like Kim and Michelle slided in the first half, but then Michelle gets this pickup in the second half where you see where she fits in. And then Kim, of course, is a very important part to the second half. But it's just everyone got their own little piece and it'll be interesting to see. It really, I feel like I came out of this being like, there's a lot of paths for people to win. Like, I definitely mm-hmm. think some paths were presented better than others as you do, but a lot there's a lot of doors still open, I feel. Yeah, the marvelous thing about this episode is, like you said, by the end of the two hours, I was really worried by the end of hour one. I'm like, oh, where's Kim and Michelle? I was Especially like, Kim. Kim and Michelle, survivors showing which winners they don't really care for. But- yeah, and... <laughs> But by the end of the two hours, I feel like actually every winner got, I mean, I guess every player on this cast got some connection and some story, which is really, really, really good. And that's about all we could ever ask for, right? Is Mm -hmm. us knowing what they're thinking about. Denise, you get her talking about Matt Singh and her fear of losing every challenge. Right. A little sad she didn't get to acknowledge that, that she won her first tribal immunity ever. Right. But still, it's cool that they threw that in the episode and we get to see where she's going from from here. Mm-hmm. And that's true with everybody. You could do that for everybody. And I guess we will. Um, <laughs> And it's just, I don't know, really hats off to the editors. I think they did a really good job. I do think the second half of the episode was a little dry, but it is. It's like an addition's nightmare. Like looking at my chart for that, it is completely toneless. Uh, so many under the radar people. Yes. But somehow I because of the two hours and because of how it was told, I'm not that angry. Mm-hmm. I, I and I think mostly it was how good the first half was. The first half was right. truly exceptional. And then the second half's like last ten minutes was really good. Mm-hmm. When they actually brought Kim in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But overall, yeah, like I think this was a good episode. The challenges they actually were good. Uh well, <laughs> I'm pretty disenchanted with uh 
the survivor random challenge generator sort of style and that's what this was true 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 remember those ores remember that combination lock they're here i actually hate okay the survivor combination lock needs to go away (laughs) it's not a skill to put things in three different orders it's like a procedure (laughs) You, you can't be better at remembering which you know what I mean like it's there's not enough numbers for it to be hard it's just like a time lock it's just right. like the keys it's literally just the keys yeah i mean you can definitely be worse at it but you can't yeah, you can like, be worse once you are the best at it you can't get any better <laughs> yeah it's like at a certain point it's a skill that you can just if you can remember three numbers you can do it mm-hmm. um but yeah like i don't know to me you're right that part was bad I did like that giant wheelbarrow thing. So you got like boss Rob literally carrying his tribe on his back. Stuff like that was good. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think I was okay with the, like the second challenge was definitely more collection of all the stuff. Most people hate in survivor challenges, like the combo lock, the carnival game, wind mm-hmm. toss thing. Um, but I think overall it kind of worked mostly because I think we got like a fun Jeremy just comes in and crushes the rings. Like that was a good character moment just because he did so well. Yeah. And I mean, there are good moments where like Tony is weirdly like looking back at to see the progress of the blue tribe and Sandra is like, Tony, stop you need to go. <laughs> then he kept looking, <laughs> which was funny. Like, I feel like this episode made me, I think, convinced that Tony has the like demeanor of like a, like a toddler <laughs> or like a dog um Mm -hmm. like (laughs) very squirrel but yeah no and especially you mentioned the flashback to things that weren't on survivor so that was the most interesting editing decision because it's so weird when you're smashed with the iconography of island starving castaway um bright bright and sunny yeah bright sunny and then like 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 the dark pit of a poker playing table it was so weird it was like like there's a reason game of thrones doesn't flash to like uh monte gras or something like i don't know it's just uh, it was bizarre and like that's the kind of stuff that would like i don't know like in a, if you had like a film class if you were to like mash those two things up you'd probably get an f because like it just completely takes you out of the experience that's how <laughs> i felt anyway i don't know uh I feel like I'm so, like, into the Survivor, like, fandom and so, like, anticipating this to be affecting the season. That I was like, yeah, I understand where it's coming from. But, yeah, I guess aesthetically, it's weird. I I actually did appreciate that they actually acknowledged pregames because I hated in, like, uh, Cambodia when it was like, oh, I just, you know, I just like this person. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Mm. Um and like the, these like code words to reference uh pregame alliances and stuff like I like that this one was like yeah um that that's a pregame alliance and we're gonna vote them out cool right yep so yeah that was good um I'm trying to think of, I have any more general thoughts before we move into the stories uh, was not be expecting Xbox to be said on this episode like I didn't oh. hear it the first time but then I was like oh that's the reference Jeff is choosing to show how old Amber is now in iTunes <laughs> I was stunned that Jeff Probst is like um <laughs> not even just before the iPhone before <laughs> iTunes who's ever thought of itunes in the last 10 years <laughs> like no one it's like a dead platform um it's like at christmas people ask for itunes gift cards and you're like excuse me like you use that still <laughs> yeah jeff just dated himself so bad by trying to sound young <laughs> and referencing something from literally 12 years ago um <laughs> like if he said apple music 
at least maybe but mm-hmm. um i thought that was wild um yeah like <laughs> i thought jeff's like weird not since millennials versus gen x have we got to see this side of jeff the weird like talk show host coming out like he really really wanted to have like a discussion about how old amber was like four times <laughs> yeah yeah he was just weird throughout from like his weird champagne toasting uh which we'll talk about to i don't know just bizarre and i don't know i'm kind of here for it though yeah jeff seemed like your drunk uncle that just like keeps bringing up things you're like slightly self-conscious about like which yeah you packed on a little weight eh? (laughs) (laughs) he might be the biggest like fan of them all like seeing all 20 of these people here he just must be like ah this is what i wanted and obviously it's some of his like absolute favorites here so oh yeah no like jeff was hamming it up like crazy and i don't think enough people are appreciating just how (laughs) insane he was even at tribals like when have we ever seen someone give an answer like jeremy saying i don't know and jeff not like pounce on them for it (laughs) And just like, oh, okay, well, Jeremy said it, though, so. Or even, like, Adam's, like, no, and then what? just, like, lets it go. Like, like, old, like, I feel like old Jeff would be, like, uh, okay, well, now I'm gonna ask you a really hard-hitting question. I feel like he's, like, giving them, like, room. It's, like, when you have, like, a really good group of, like, seniors in school, and, like, the teachers are, like, we can trust these kids. They'll, they'll do it for us, and they'll be fine. So he's giving them space. Yeah, it's like you let them have the scissors without the like uh, dumb cutting blade on it, like it stops you from actually cutting. Um, <laughs> yeah. The not safety scissors, that's what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, I just overall Jeff was very hammy and like having honestly Sandra kind of taking up his slack a little bit in the challenge when she's like, <laughs> "Hey Tony, pay attention, they're running up there." I was like, "You know what, Sandra would be a good replacement for Jeff." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised how much that worked. Yeah. But overall, I think really solid first outing. I guess before mm-hmm. we move on, I, I do want to dunk on Edge of Extinction a little bit. Um, I think that this was stupid. I thought it, I actually was warming up to fire tokens, and I think I like them without the Edge of Extinction connection. I don't think that works at all. I think, I don't, yeah, I think it's too, like, targeted. Like, Natalie actually has a lot of power leaving the game because she gets to give her fire token away and then she gets to choose who gets offered the reward like i thought when i first heard it it was going to be like a general offer to anyone who wanted to buy but no she was like sandra you get to yes get this offer. and i thought that was that's really because like amber now has so much power mm-hmm. like she can do that she gives her fire token to rob she then has rob on the other tribe or uh kim or tyson on her own tribe to like bolster absolutely and the weird thing there is say i think they got real freaking lucky that red tribe lost the second challenge because how awful would it have been to watch natalie get voted out give her token to jeremy find a thing and then give it right back to jeremy Mm -hmm. because that's what was going to happen if jeremy didn't go in ace three uh ring tosses in a row right um and then we would have just watched like eight minutes of content of a person selling a thing, buying a thing, and then selling it back to the same person. Yeah, like the mechanics of the game, which is like yeah. not what you want to see. It's like someone filing at the DMV, but you're watching it. Like, it's so dumb. Like, and the other thing that's I think they've kind of missed the mark on Natalie's not gonna ever not be in Jeremy's corner 
because until he's voted out because she will ne- literally never interact with him again right like if mm-hmm. if he's going far and right. she's gonna still want to be like she's still close to jeremy she's still gonna be wanting to help him he's like he's never gonna be able to make a bad impression or blindside her or exclude her or anything to make yeah. her not still in his corner for sure so edge of extinction has all this power over the main game but survivor's supposed to be a game about managing personalities and like it's like vote people out and then still make them willing to help you but it doesn't have that because things don't change on edge of extinction they stay stagnant because no like unless jeremy gets voted out then they then the two of them will be giving to whoever their next person is michelle probably michelle yeah exactly where like amber's gonna be there always giving to rob yeah that's so dumb and especially that apparently producers set the price of these items and set when they can give them to the people. Mm-hmm. Because, like, what's the, honestly, what's the difference between Natalie giving Sandra this option and a producer giving her the option? Like, giving Sandra the idol. There's really not a big difference here. Right. And I think, just thinking about it, there's an interesting sort of choice that i think goes completely undiscussed is like what if natalie just holds on to that idol and it's like hers until she maybe gets back into the game is she allowed i don't think so it was also that temporary three tribal idol so that sort of blocks natalie from using it theoretically yeah she can't use it in the next three tribals in a like the, another weird thing here is i mean i guess maybe they just didn't care about pre-games they they were embracing them uh, okay theoretically natalie never has met anybody on the other tribe so she's inherently using it for pre-games mm-hmm. like the only person who's ever going to get it is somebody who has a pregame with Natalie. Right. I, I don't know. I just think yeah. this to me has season ruining potential where like, say Russell Hance goes to uh edge of extinction and he just loves Jeremy. Jeremy could never get voted out just from random, like because you voted out his ally, he's now literally unstoppable because he has all these temporary idols. Yeah. Or bossing around with his wife. I don't know. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens when there are multiple people there, how the advantages play out, how tempting I think some of the like stuff on the edge of extinction menu is. Because I feel (laughs) like I sort of saw that and was like a pizza. How lame. But then like you're out there and you're like starving and like it's one token. I'm like, I would, I would fall for it. Like, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? A pizza is fine. Also like, uh, my change for $2 million for a whole pizza. Like that would last me like two to three days. How many what toppings are we talking though? I don't know. Just give me, I mean, it's a nasty survivor pizza. So true. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just think this feels poorly thought out to me. And right. I, I actually was like starting to be, I still think that, if they come in after the merge, blah, 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 is so terrible. They're absolutely going to do it. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be annoying. I thought maybe the interaction between Edge of Extinction and the main game would be interesting, but I feel like they've completely flubbed it by it being set time, set items, mm-hmm. and, like, there's no creativity. Like, I, in my opinion, if you're going to go this route, Natalie should be able to charge 10 tokens. Right. Yeah, they can set their own prices. Because otherwise, it's Natalie is taking the role of a producer is giving someone a free idol and say telling the audience Natalie did it. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Yeah. Um. And like Natalie's gonna give it to the most out there person who is Sandra. Like it mm-hmm. is to me almost transparently just a production handed idol, and that's so unfortunate. Yeah. 
Overall, though, I do think the season is promising. I'm excited for the future of the episodes. And honestly, like, I'm kind of hooked into the cult of personality of all the characters. So I look forward mm. to the future. For Especially sure. Parvati. Anything yeah, else Parvati, before we move? No. I mean, we'll talk about Parvati more, but she was great. I haven't seen Absolutely. her in a while. Awesome. Way even better. Like, she's my favorite of all time, I think. Even better than I expect. Like, she was so fun. Yeah. Just, like, and, so charming. And, like, love the way she talks. Yeah, she speaks very poetically. Mm-hmm. It's something I noticed and th- something I definitely want to bring up. So we'll move here to our stories. This is always one of my favorite. Like, this is probably my favorite episode of every season that we cover is the frantic, like, uncovering of anything that could be a long-term story. Because it's always an episode one. And I don't, I'm not going to lie to you guys. This episode might be the hardest one that we've ever had to do. Because they were doing a lot to remind the audience who these people were. Mm-hmm. So to me, it felt like there was a lot less forward-looking than what we usually get in premieres. But I do think we still got a well, we got a uh, buffet of options here. <laughs> so we'll probably give a little bit less attention to some of them. Uh, try to zoom through them. But it's always so fun picking apart the episode and being like, ooh, this is probably a long-term story. Yeah, I mean, two hours, all these players, lots of content to work from. Yeah, it's a it's a list. So, yes. We'll blitz through it, but but I'm excited to talk about it because I feel like often I'm so ready to get to the people as opposed to the stories. But this time I was like, these are some stories I can share for once. (laughs) Yeah, and to any new listeners, like basically every season... Uh, I think Survivor tells you a completely different thing about what good players look like and a completely different thing about how bad players look like. Sometimes being secretive is really great. Sometimes being secretive is really bad. Um, Sometimes being likable isn't so great. Exactly. Last season, the story was being likable is really bad. Um, That's why Island of Idols was such a great season. Um, And everyone (laughs) loved it with no negative feelings. People love when unlikable people do really well. But um, yeah, so and whereas other seasons you have like just being a, a raw charisma and never doubting yourself at all is the key to success. Like, right. Survivor's a magic fairyland where they can basically say whatever is good. And because there is no right way to play. If there was, we wouldn't be watching this 40 years later. And the fact that <laughs> it's always a narrative about how the person wins means that you get wildly variant explanations of what a good player is. Yeah, the season isn't 20 Spencer Bloodsos. Yes. Like, that's the thing. Like, what I think is really fascinating is you have people like Sophie that basically were second in line people. And then you have people like Ben that were like, I had no allies. Right. And that's very, very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we'll move here to our first story, which is kind of the obvious one, which is old, old school versus new school and how that interacts. And I'd also add an ad- addendum there of, and what about the people who fit neither Mm -hmm. yeah so obviously on the blue tribe uh it's la we're gonna probably call it by colors because i don't know who cares about it's season 40 (laughs) who cares about sorry to call uh yeah um but on that tribe you have this older uh you have ethan who hasn't played in a while uh danny hasn't played since guatemala and things have changed a lot um amber on the red tribe just how these people are adapting to the new pace of the game, which is seen as chaotic and fast. And I think the episode also presents it as such. There's lots of montages where it's just people being like, who's the name? Who's getting voted out? I'm so paranoid. I don't know. And it's just all these flashes back and forth. So there's a lot of old school versus new school. And then how older players are adapting and maybe um, building on 
the pace of the game as it is in 2020. I think that's a brilliant way to put it. I think you're right. We saw old school. We saw new school and especially all the iconography of like specifically people running. Mm -hmm. Like we had people running out of breath. Um, I think a really, really beautiful shot was it was when it was Ben Rob and mm, I forget who else was there. They were walking and the cameraman was like visibly struggling to keep up with how fast they were walking. <laughs> like they like you saw like in brief corner you almost you saw a boom mic in the top right um very like it was just the just the coverings of it and like um like they were walking briskly there's that one moment on uh the red tribe where tyson is just alone seemingly with this cameraman he's like everyone left me and they're just like trying to find the like nucleus of content and it's it's chaotic yes <laughs> yeah, they were going for the chaos vibes. Absolutely, it felt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm. I would be surprised if their like methodology was make it feel like a war. Like it almost felt like in the in the trenches, fox like foxhole kind of uh, like style shooting. Which yeah, a bit of thrill almost. Yes, because I remember like Danny and Michelle just almost in this panic of like neither is in particular danger. I would say, but they just have no idea, or it's presented as they have no idea what's going on. And it's just like, wow, I really don't know either. It's mm-hmm. it's intense. And yeah, so I think that's absolutely like the chaotic pace of the game. And like, if you, if you can't keep up, you might as well fall out. Both Rob and Sandra say something along those lines mm-hmm. of like, if you can't keep up, you might as well just leave. I think that was interesting. But I think the most interesting part about at least the old versus new dynamic was the fact that it, like if we flash back to Second Chance, it had the same kind of narrative. And the narrative there was, Old school don't got it. That was not the case here. Absolutely not. I mean, you had people like Amber was at times presented as sort of falling out. But then even she, there's this like dichotomy between her and Tony where Tony is purposefully trying to slow himself down. And I think that's sort of part where his actions at the immunity challenge sort of come in. Like he's slower, he's observant. And then, so after Tony is saying, I'm chilled out right now. um, You flash to Amber who is like, I should be doing something like I need to go look for idols and she does it. And so there's these like there's a lot of scenes of old school players like Ethan or Danny or Amber adapting to the game. In some yes, way. I mean, I think it's I think you're right. Like Amber, despite being old school, was not presented that way. She was looking for idols. She was doing that stuff. Same with Ethan, right? Like uh, Yule. Yule is in like master. Exactly. He just almost sort of just like drops into the water and is like perfectly at home. You all felt fish. like a player from the future. <laughs> like this was like old school versus new school versus people that like cyborgs from the future. And like that was e- or that was uh you for sure. Yeah. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing is I believe that this was absolutely doing old school versus new school. But then we had this really interesting wrinkle of you being like, well, there's the old school people. I don't a hundred percent fit in with them. Like there was idols in my season. And like, I, I played with game theory and math. That's how I played this game. And then mm-hmm. there's people like Nick who are fresh off the boat kind of people. Like just, just like just finished playing are now here. And I'm here like as a middle person. So what does that, what do I do with that? And he's kind of working that angle. I right. think that's very interesting. Um, But yeah, like I, I feel like overwhelmingly this, the theme was old, old players can keep up and maybe have something that new players are missing in the strategic game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely the strategic game. And I think we also get this bit where 
Rob is talking to the rest of the old school people on Sele and they're like, that's what these new school people don't do is they don't connect with anyone. And I mean, we really didn't see that either. I mean, mm-hmm. what we saw was people across like uh, the schools, I suppose, connecting where you have like uh, Jeremy and Parvati talking about uh, their children, uh, Sarah and Amber. So like that connection is happening. I think what we'll get as the story develops is those people in the middle are the ones who are actually doing it all. They're keeping yes. up with the pace of the game, but they're also connecting. And I'm excited to see that. I hope that comes to fruition. Absolutely. I don't think we were meant to take Boston Rob's side there at all of like these new players don't talk to each other. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was like a like a if it wasn't Boston Rob Dodo music's probably playing there. Um I think yeah, that's a whole sort of thing about the episode is Boston Rob is this old school iconic player, but like I felt like a lot of times I wasn't supposed to take a side and I I don't quite know quite why. I mean, we'll get yeah. more on that later. <laughs> Very complicated cuz he's like the survivor icon, so I feel like they were having a hard time doing it, but mm-hmm. yeah, so I think that's the thing is what it's saying is that an old school mentality actually lends itself quite well to modern fast paced survivor. And I think it's, it's kind of going that w- realm, but I don't think that necessarily means that it's an old school dominated season at all. Mm-hmm. It, it's very, very interesting how they're doing it. It's kind of a little bit from here, a little bit from there, which is always the most exciting themes to talk. About. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll move here to having something to prove, which was especially there in the second episode with Kim and Michelle, mm-hmm. who came out swinging, really. Like, Michelle's just like, oh my god, what everyone on the internet said is true. I've just voted <laughs> again in the minority. This isn't supposed to happen to me. Mm-hmm. There are sort of talks of her beginning her own Game Changers Aubrey story of like being this sort of like minor character who's always voting in the minority. But yeah, she was very much sort of after that vote, she came out being like, this is not how I wanted to start. I have so much to prove here. Like we get a flashback to how Kaurang played out. And it's like, no, I need to I need to figure things out. Mm -hmm. She even said a lot of people don't think I should have won. That's I did not expect that necessarily to show up on the show, but I'm glad it did because. I think it adds a lot of character to her story. Right. And I actually love the decision to make her basically invisible in the first half so that she has that moment. I think that was a really fun editing touch. Absolutely. And actually gives me a lot of faith in her going pretty far. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, this having something to prove is here for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, ben wants to show he can actually play strategically. Um, Parvati wants to show she can still be diabolical. I think Sandra wants to prove herself again be like i'm out here i'm gonna (laughs) win it again Mm -hmm. Uh, tony wants to chill it out yeah yeah absolutely i think this is gonna be a major theme throughout we'll see how it evolves as a theme because it will i'm not sure 100 percent where it will because you do have two different sides right where it's michelle having to prove her she belongs there kind of thing whereas Mm -hmm. rob doesn't have to do that poverty doesn't have to do that and they're even saying like like poverty is like me and Rob aren't even being talked about? What? <laughs> These winners are bad. Could have created... That could be a good thing for people like Michelle. Mm-hmm. Where it's proving those old farts wrong. It didn't go super far into that, though. But it is episode one. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll move here to our next one. Which is age and life experience. And having all those kids. And Amber's older than the Xbox. Amber is older than the Xbox. <laughs> oh, Jeffrey. <laughs> But yeah, so much like immediately when you get two scenes back to back of like 
both tribes talking about their children, like it's present and people are going to talk about it. So yeah, I think we hit it when we thought this is going to be a potential story. This is going to be important to the season in some way. It is interesting that I think our sort of middle group that is probably going to get a lot of focus from us coming later on, uh, Sophie and Yule, Wendell and Nick, I think none of them have children. Mm -hmm. So like where that fits in is going to be interesting to watch. I almost think there's an interesting facet here where this this theme is massively introduced by Parvati, who honestly says she's playing the mom card. Mm -hmm. She's not like, oh my goodness, like I'm a changed person. Like um, all I think about is my kids. She's like, I'm going to use the mom card to be more diabolical, which is an interesting wrinkle to this story where I... I think there's this whole theme of whether you're afraid of your past and you're trying to become someone new, or if you're trying to be like Ethan or Parvati and rekindle who they used to be. Mm -hmm. Parvati's literally blatantly being like, I, in my regular life, I'm a mom, sure. But I want to be old Parvati again. I want to be like tricking people and blindsiding people. And Ethan's like, I want to go back to being the soccer player, the fun guy that's like... Like, Survivor meant everything, too. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, you have people like Tony being like, I do not want to be Tony. Do not want to be old Tony. Right. And I think this is kind of central to it, this idea of they've changed since, and whether they're scared of who they used to be or whether they embrace it. Mm -hmm. And I think this first premiere did a lot of work in that, but it's especially after Island of the Idols, which I think had this sort of similar, like, zoom into one person and talk about them and then zoom back out and get to the game. I think that was really a good part of the season. And I think... That's what we're going to get in these next few episodes is lots of little bits. Like, I don't feel like we got this from Sarah, but I think Sarah has a lot to say about it. So I imagine maybe we'll get that moment from Sarah where she talks about, like, I played this last season like a criminal, and I know that puts some sort of target on me. But here's where I am now, and here's where yeah. I want to be. And maybe she wants to be like it. Maybe she doesn't. But Last season, I played like a criminal. This time, I'm going to play like a civilian. I believe she says she's on probation. <laughs> um yeah so 100 percent. i think that the whole idea of who you were then who you were now is so prevalent and especially like the kids thing is going to be an interesting wrinkle for sure mm -hmm. especially like tyson being like like survivors my occupation like i'm a stay-at-home dad otherwise that was very touching i thought right and especially to come from tyson who i we remarked on like last season he's one of the more negative winners but he starts the season out like almost pure positivity like yep. doing it for my kids i'm gonna cry on day one tyson. right okay jeremy like, collins like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i think that's absolutely a major theme here we'll move here to what makes a winner a target yeah so a lot of this episode was fascinated with like in a season of all winners, you simultaneously have something to target everyone for. I think Rob says that outright, but also you almost have nothing to target anyone for. So what makes someone a target? It's the smallest things. It's things like not committing to a name or poker playing. It's like mm -hmm. dabbling at all these things because I feel like one of the things I got from this premiere was that it's not going to be a season of uh, numbers. Like one alliance sticks together, goes down the line, pagongs. It's mm. going to be, you feel that way? I don't know. I feel like that four is pretty solid. I mean, I I feel that way too, but I, I feel like I'm getting this vibe of like, 
any little thing, any little thing can make someone a target. So like, yes. uh, it's and also be... I think the discrepancy between what other people think is targets, like poverty being like, oh my goodness, I can't believe no one's even thinking about us. Like, what are they thinking? Versus Tony being like, well, why are they? Oh my god, Tyson's tricked them. How am I going to get them back on Tyson? Because he's tricking them right now. He's the threat. If you don't want to vote someone out, it means you should vote them out. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of what Tony was arguing, which is brilliant survivor strategy, by the way. Um, Big expected to come from Tony, but that he's able to identify the fact that we're all being tricked right now by Tyson means that we're being tricked by Tyson. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So just stuff, stuff like that. There's like when the bullets are flying everywhere, what can you use to... Mm-hmm. make someone bigger and take the bullets and a bunch of people had confessionals along these lines where they said in this game everybody is a target so what makes them the the target is kind of up to you mm-hmm. um and i think that's a really interesting thing is yule's able to invent these targets out of thin air you know what i mean the dialogue is poker alliance versus uh grizzled young veterans or whatever um like and that's not the traditional way that how this tribe breaks down he's just kind of poking at things and being like look this is how it works right and with so much of that content i think there's almost this weird comparison to that moment with parvati and rob where they're like but we're the biggest targets why aren't people targeting us it's almost this sort of arrogance and i don't know if it's presented that way yet i don't know if we're supposed to be like yeah, this is Robin Parvati. They should be targeted. Or, I mean, everyone's a winner here. So what makes you so special? I think it's kind of both. And I think Mm. one small thing there is I believe what it was trying to show is a little bit of arrogance from them, but almost a, like, I've kind of lost my train of thought, but basically the idea of them being like giving them a little bit of their like shine you know what i mean like just mm-hmm. you know like this is boston and robin they just control the vote mm-hmm. they might not be able to control too many votes this season yeah for sure it's the vibe i kind of got there is like, like let them have their moment in the sun mm-hmm. let's move here to the next one mm-hmm. which is we've kind of touched on it already which is the past versus the future and how utilizing your past to create your present is a useful skill in the game of Survivor. Um, so we've talked about how that relates personally, but strategically how that relates to Edge of Extinction. Right. I mean, that was uh, the Chris Underwood story is like, I wanted to play this perfect game. Oops, I didn't. How can I go from here? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, obviously very, very important in a season with Edge of Extinction. And, and go ahead. No, I, I think it's well. just interesting how in this season, the skill of quote unquote jury management may be honestly being the most important skill where mm-hmm. not only will the people you vote out on day one be deciding who wins the game if you you end up there. So treating them, you know, honestly, voting in the minority, to be honest, voting with whoever. So they're, they're on your side. So they give you their fire token so that they sell you stuff from outside the game. So that if they come back, they're your ally. And if none of that, if you make the end, they vote for you. Mm-hmm. Having friends on the jury, it just became 700% more valuable. And so making sure that the people that leave are people that benefit will work to help you. Shockingly important. Right. And maybe it's not exactly friends per se. I think a lot of it is going to be friends, but people who you think understand the game you're playing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, because they're all winners, right? So they all know that there are paths to the end and paths to the end that win. They all executed one in some way. And it's about making sure 
this person, hey, maybe they're your friend and they get exactly what you're doing. You're in the same wavelength. Maybe they're the complete opposite of you, but hey, you took them out and they respect that because that's the kind of moves they're looking for. It's all Mm -hmm. about, it's all about using those things to make sure you are set up for the very end of this game. Absolutely. And at least I got the vibe that Edge of Extinction is going to be very, very important this season. Someone like Sandra having an idle day one that she could literally kind of just plays a trump card and be like, look, someone just gave me this and I can decide who goes home. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Really stifles gameplay, but gives her a lot of power. And that's power that comes from people that were voted out already. Right. The ghosts are powerful in this one. Mm-hmm. Anything you can use to make yourself um, stand out mm-hmm. is going to be very powerful. Because imagine if like Sandra is like, but look what I have. And it's like, all of a sudden, she doesn't even need to say that she bought it from the edge of extinction. Mm-hmm. Like, just the things that make you impressive. Absolutely. Such as cults of personality. Which I think is our next theme here, which 100% here, we kind of talked about this at the start, but just, I feel like we got to see just how awesome Boston Rob was when he just completely dissected Ben Uh and then used him in an unconventional way. I feel like a lot of this season is about the gravity, the center of gravity that a lot of these people have. Now that pulls people in. Adam immediately running to Denise and being like, I want to be your Malcolm. When Adam has maybe nothing in common with Malcolm whatsoever. <laughs> um, it's because uh, he wants to be cool like Malcolm was cool. Right. Uh, ben wants to be cool like Boston Rob's friend. Like mm-hmm. these people are drawing people in. And I think that's a really, really important and crucial key to the understanding this season. Yeah. You had Sophie sort of freezing up and being like, oh my gosh, Joel wants to work with me. Like mm-hmm. that's like asking someone out on a date. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, they were nervous, and I just seeing that was awesome. I also think, like reading between the lines a little bit, like next confessional, he just seemed nervous. Like a lot of people just seemed nervous, right. and I think that was an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if there's anyone who sort of cuts through this and is like, "No, we're all people. We're all winners." Let's get down to it. I feel mm. like maybe the best candidate for that right now is Michelle. She was like, I was out, but like, I know what needs to happen. <laughs> we yes. need to like get an old person out. Not an old person. I mean, they usually are the older ones. Old school people. <laughs> 100%. And yeah, like, I think they'll probably, it's a little bit like X-Men where all these winners kind of have like a superpower. I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of see a little bit of that from a lot of them. We got yeah. to see Boston Rob this week. Um, Who knows what we'll see next week. Yeah, I mean, we didn't talk about it in general thoughts, but it was very intriguing to see all these people come back with their like certain ticks and stuff like Wendell with his toothpick and like just how they are and uh, Tyson with his humor, just how they act. It's sort of this this very interesting cast of characters. Actually, that's a really good point I want to build on there is to pun there is Wendell being like, you know what? I didn't want to be the builder. And then it's, I wanted to build relationships this time. He's like, oh, never mind. I'm just the builder. Yeah, that's kind of his his role. And Wendell got to be like the the tribe leader for just a little while. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert: I think that was really important, but uh, for the rest <laughs> of this podcast. But yeah, like I think absolutely the kind of like characterization of these people being so ingrained is is pretty dang cool. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, all these people, as Jeff said uh edge of extinction might be hard the game might be tumultuous people might get voted out but don't forget winner you belong kid 
Um, basically the idea that all these winners at the end of the day belong, I think is very important. And I think is really bad for that kind of poverty Boston raw mentality of like, but where are the, where are the winners? Um, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure exactly how that's going to interact with things, but it was, yeah, it was certainly a very strange line, like a lot to process in that because there's like champagne Adam looks at it weird. Like, I don't know if he was, like, looking at it as so there were a clue somewhere. If it was, like, his midsummer moment of, like, examining the drink. And then they throw them behind them. And it's just so much anxiety. But, yes, it's such a weird line. Things will be hard, but you belong. Like, obviously. Like, I didn't come to the season not ex- Like, these are winners. I understand. Mm-hmm. It's just... It, it seemed like a weird thing to emphasize. It feels like it's emphasizing, hey, there are other winners besides... Parvati, Sandra, and Rob. Like, yes. Look at the rest of this cast, maybe, and think about and them. To me, that's a sign that our winner probably someone that uncharacteristic, like, isn't your top contender or somebody who belongs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that was giving me, like, oh, okay, so this is going to be a story of somebody realizing that they do belong mm-hmm. when they didn't think it at the start. I feel like talking through through stories were like coming more on board the Michelle Fitzgerald wagon already. And it's not even, we're not even talking about individuals. It's true. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) possibility in the whole, I think people are going to have a, a, the winner's going to have a close relationship with the idea of belonging. Mm -hmm. For sure. We'll see where that goes. It could be boss Rob super belongs, you know? Um, (laughs) uh but yeah so we'll go i think one of the most interesting themes that emerged from this and in my opinion the coolest thing we saw in the episode was boston rob getting the information from ben that was cool whatever he's like because i feel like nine out of ten survivor players what we see following is boston rob going on a war path against danny Mm -hmm. for daring to say his name can even picture mm-hmm. Tommy last season. The minute people said his name, he's like, if you say Tommy, blah, blah, blah. Right. Boston Rob takes the information. Is like, you know what? I'm going to ask Danny. If she tells me, I'm going to trust her even more. And I think it's the idea of the nature of truth. Truthfulness being more important than deception. It trumps it. I think that's really interesting. Danny was against Rob, but she was, she was truthful and sincere. Mm-hmm. Whereas ben was deceitful and leaky. So Rob, <laughs> even though is getting more beneficial stuff from Ben, is like, you know what? I trust Danny more from this information, which in my opinion, high level, amazing thought process there. Right. This is like one of the clearest examples I feel of how Survivor emphasizes different things on different seasons, because it's so easy to see the alternate reality in which Ben or Rob does just run with this information. And it makes sense because Danny did say his name. And especially in this season where anything makes you a target, like that's what got Sierra Easton out. So like there's sort of this other alternate path that this season could have gone down, but it didn't. We're looking mm-hmm. at something else here. Which looks so good for Danny, I think. Yeah. But yeah, like Rob ba- Rob basically going hard against the idea of they say their name they say your name, they're dead to you. I thought was awesome because that's a mature way of thinking about the game, right? Where he's like, you know what? I get where she's coming from. If I wasn't me, I would probably be scared of me too. So how do I bridge that gap? Yeah. I think what we're seeing is over and over again is just how good, honestly, Boston Rob is at this game. Um, I'm not his biggest fan either, but seeing him really just take the mantles here was genuinely impressive. Mm-hmm. 
I think he sort of came into this with at least this idea that everyone is going to be saying everyone's name. So that's not the truth. The truth is what happens on one-on-ones almost. Mm. And so, I mean, it's weird that it almost has panned out differently and that people are so reluctant to say names, but he, he sort of found this gap. And yeah, I think very interesting for this season. Absolutely. And I hope that continues as a theme because I think it's... I think it's kind of the next evolution of gameplay is focusing on intentions beyond what they are actually saying. Mm -hmm. Danny says Rob's name. Why? Because she's scared. Scared doesn't mean you can't work with them. Right. The next theme is my personal favorite. I think it Um, weirdly like uh, links to this theme because there's a sort of like, I mean, the battle is saying, oh, Danny said my name. I need to get Danny out. But the war is where they went. And I mean, that's sort of, we sort of went for what the metaphor of this situation is. But we're obviously talking about crab versus snake. Yeah, the the theme of the season is crab versus snake. Amazing. Like, if this happened, like, I want this to be a story. Like, give us a minute or two of this battle of nature. Right next week, we need to see, like, the crab chop up the snake or something. Or some, like, personal content. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, the crab fishing or something. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, what we're what we're drawing attention to is multiple times in this episode, we cut back to this crab and this little snake having like the most brutal fight I've ever seen. The snake's like wrapped around the crab's like wrapped around the crab's neck. The crab's like like has it in its pincers, but they they keep like dodging each other. They keep evading. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the snake walks away. Cut back five minutes later, and they're fighting again. Um, I think this was brilliant and like environmental storytelling, mm-hmm. but I also think it ties directly to the idea that Tyson, and in my opinion, is my guess to be the primary theme of this season, summarized by a quotation, which is forfeit this war in order to win the war or sorry, forfeit this battle in order to win the war. Yeah, we see that with Tyson be like, you know what? I feel bad that I'm ditching Kim and Amber, but I just got to dab out here. We see mm-hmm. that with the snake so that he can come back and attack the crab. We see that with Boston Rob. You're absolutely right. He's like, ooh, I could fight here, but you know what? Instead, I'm going to forfeit. I'm going to give power to Danny. And that gives me Danny long-term. That's winning the um, Right. I think that's a brilliant analogy and really was paying off all over the place in this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Survivor. We're going to get animal imagery everywhere. Haley is the shark. Who can forget? Um, but here are... Even on a surface level, it feels really pertinent because the crab and the snake, there's not an outright winner. Like a lot of what we see usually is like a predator just like snatching their prey. And that's the scene. You get it. That's how the food chain works. Mm -hmm. But in this case, no one really won. They kept fighting, but no one won. And at first I was just like, oh, that's a great metaphor for all winners because... These are all winners. They have the ability to all be fighting sort of on this equal terrain, and it's hard to tell who will win. But I like where we've taken it, where it's this, you see the snake retreat and then come back to fight as the correct battle. That's just Mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff. I I really thought that was brilliant. And like, I love that Tyson Leary had a a line that like coincided with it so well. This is what this is the kind of stuff that makes Survivor so great. Right. The fact that they do care so much about the story. And this was just an amazing example of that. And sure, it was just a crab and a snake, but it was emblematic of the rest of the episode. And it was really brilliant. Imagine if you're just that camera person and you're like, no, you don't get to watch the players playing. Please just get us some B-roll for uh, <laughs> nature. And you get this. And then it's like this. So important. So great. And it was like beautifully <laughs> shot too. like. They got like a they got 
like that cameraman actually deserves like like <laughs> that was a gr- a- excellent shot mm-hmm. um and yeah i think i don't know i feel like we're gonna see this a lot and i think there's also subplot here of nobody wins in a fight mm-hmm. idea where we saw natalie and adam and denise kind of go at it and mm-hmm. then the the battle it, it's between natalie and denise or even at tribal when amber and tony are sort of sniping at one another mm. i mean they're they're the ones being played by that middle group i exactly. mean tony wins the battle but who's going to win the war 100 percent. like there's almost something to being the non-aggressor giving you a lot of power mm-hmm. Let, uh, robin poverty letting um adam and denise versus jeremy and natalie happen yeah and just letting it happen too like they don't even say the name they just let the battle happen right very very interesting next up nick says it the winner of this game will be who learns to manage currency and fire tokens well watch out for that yeah i mean it's hard for it to pan out to anything huge here where you get so few interactions with it um the numbers are so low at this point that it's not like exciting anyway, but it's obviously going to be someone who can use this new facet of the game to their advantage. And the way he says it, it's not saying, I mean, he does almost say we're used to this as new players, but he doesn't say new players are going to adapt to this better. He says, yes. whoever amongst all the players here adapts to this is going to do well. Yeah. This to me was our prophecy confessional and I don't think it's really like it's okay for Nick, but I don't think like he obviously added some personal content after like I'm a new player, blah. But I mean, I think it's just okay. Fire tokens are gonna have a massive impact, is what mm-hmm. this is saying. Winner's probably gonna be someone that we're like, we need to give them an asterisk because they only won because of fire tokens or whatever. But it's <laughs> um, probably what this means. But overall, like I mean, it bodes very well for anybody who starts talking about fire tokens. So Jeremy probably benefits quite a bit from this theme. Or I guess if they're thinking about it when they don't have a reason to like if yes. someone with one fire token right now is like, but how can I be uh, innovative about this? And they 100%. do stuff from there. I, I, I can't imagine we're going to go get to the end of the season. And, like the winner's not going to have a close relationship with them. <laughs> like this really felt, cause this was very early on too. this confessional was yeah, basically the first confessional after the challenge. Mm-hmm. I bl- so very like, primed there so that you 100% remember it. I don't know. I think it's very, very good for anybody who's going to be talking about it. Yep. Obviously, wait, this is the one that talked to us in five episodes, but mm-hmm. next up, we have the idea of meat in nerd shields. Mm-hmm. This one's also pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. I really I mean, liked Tony's pretty sophisticated view of the game of like, no, you want to keep those people around because hot take. I've hyped up Boston Rob a lot in this episode. I mean, a stupid move taking out Natalie. Oh, yeah, because yeah, it's sort of as much as it wasn't said in the episode, I imagine part of the Red Tribe's th- thought was, oh, Jeremy and Natalie got targeted, so, like, why not the married couple? Mm-hmm. As I make my Adam blind gestures of two people kissing. They're married! <laughs> They're married! <laughs> Poor Adam was so mad in this episode. He was a mad boy. So angry. He was swearing but- a lot, like... Yeah, like, this episode, I saw it got, like, a PG for, like, minor language, which, like, usually Survivor's worse, but so much of that was just Adam. (laughs) It was. Okay, he kind of, yeah, I'll talk about that when we get there, but, um, (laughs) you know, 100%, and I I also think just, like, if you're Boston Rob and your wife is in the game, and, I mean, we know that Adam, in the exact breath he was talking about Jeremy and Natalie, he was talking about Robin Amber, Mm -hmm. if your argument's the same, like, 
if the reason you're voting somebody out is the same reason that we could use to vote you out, it's probably a bad move. That's really astute. I like that. Like, right, if you get on Survivor, take those words to heart because I think that's very smart. <laughs> oh, those two people are too close. We should split them up. Being a prevailing reason to vote someone out is going to be why Rob... I mean, he. thank God he didn't lose the challenge and his wife gets dead. But, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just asking for... If anything, you want the prevailing wisdom to be, no, keep the pairs around. The right. reverse Tyson in Blood vs. Water. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think he made a boneheaded decision. Yep. Um, and the last one... Oh, wait. wait well, I, we forgot to touch on the nerd shield part of this, of course, comes from Sophie using Yule as a nerd shield, as she calls it. Which is adorable. About physics or whatever. Which, I mean... It's just an extension of this meat shield idea. Like, this is the idea of sort of the meta of Survivor, I think, right now, is having people in front of you so you're not target number one. Like, I do think... Oh, you go. As much as Tommy was sort of the front runner, we all knew he had all these people who are better winner candidates before him. Mm -hmm. He was the third choice that just looked like the first choice for the whole season. 100%. And I think, honestly, it's... It's kind of refreshing seeing Meat Shields referred to as Nerd Shield. Like, I thought that was something we really haven't seen before, but mm. it's probably realistically what happens. Like, like, I'm sure Christian and Gabby were in their heads thinking that, right? Um, right. It was like, oh, they cover f- for me being being smart. Yeah, it's like, no one was necessarily being like, John Hennigan is the Meat Shield of Dave versus Goliath. Like, he's the strongest, but that's not how it actually works. Yeah, because... Big buff dudes don't usually win Survivor, as you can see from this cast full of not, like, not, it's not like all shredded people. I don't know. Sure. Joe Anglum's not on this cast. Um, no, I, and I think it was, it was really good. It also wins my award for, I think, best confessional of the episode, that Sophie confession. Mm. Very good delivery. I know. I definitely saw your tweet where you were like, Sophie, best character. And I'm like, we have entered Bizarro World. Like, right? Loving Sophie Clark, but. I came I mean, in so negative last week. Like, <laughs> I think she's going to be boring. I I have so much to say about Sophie when we get there. I'm so excited to talk about her. I know. She proved me so wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just, like, expecting this Sophie that I knew and loved. And I'm glad you can embrace it. But I don't know if I'd say. I feel like there are bigger revelations for me from this episode. Where I was like, okay. wow, I can't actually appreciate you all. <laughs> oh, you was. Okay, I expect. <laughs> That, I were flipped. I expected you to be awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, so the last one is just a quick one, which is Alliances is dating and prom. Parvati's mm-hmm. like, oh, do you have a corsage? Uh, and I think the cutest yep. one was Sophie being like, oh, are you going to say anything else? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's this weird, like, Adam and Denise one, which isn't really dating. But like, <laughs> it was so yeah, cringy. It was an aesthetic. Like, poor Adam. Like, because also, I watched uh, Rob... I guess, so that's our last theme. We can move here to the Seal tribe. Sela. It is pronounced Sela, but if you want to remember it, it's sort of like Seal, and Seals live in the blue ocean. Yep. I saw that on uh, the Edge of Credit. Credit to whoever did it. (laughs) Yeah. Credit to whoever that was. Um, So, yeah, we'll start here with the Sela tribe, Mm -hmm. uh, which is... We'll start with Adam, who... Oh, poor Adam, like... Literally, I didn't expect. I watched the Rob has a podcast, uh, Know It All is Alive, Know It Alls, and like literally, like six survivors went up drunkenly and just dunked on Adam for like forty five minutes about uh-huh. how he thinks he's Malcolm, and describing all the ways he isn't, um, how <laughs> different he is. 
Um, so I felt bad for him in that moment, but also, okay, he knew what he was signing up for, right? Like, <laughs> Malcolm, maybe the most charming and likable player to ever play, Adam. Like, Malcolm comes off like a Greek god, uh, Adam, regular looking dude. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's almost like weirdly like this diabolical Denise where she's like the spider being like, yes, you're my jungle boy. And like, she knows the truth of it. But like, I guess. Right? Onto this. <laughs> Has Adam ever been described as a jungle boy? <laughs> like, no, he's like a, like a, I don't know, like office guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. Cubicle guy. <laughs> yeah. He's not, he's not Malcolm. That being said, I. I love him as a character, like, great on that first part of the episode. Um, but probably, like, last place. <laughs> just like, Yo, yeah. like, lowest chance of winning right now. I would say zero, honestly. But it's Adam, so, like, I have thoughts of, like, the merge of Millennials sure. versus Gen X. Maybe, like, it's his redemption. But there's also the thoughts of what we discovered in our preseason thing, where, like, winners don't go negative at the beginning. I'm like... It's true. Adam was the most negative of this episode. Like he was the closest to a villain in this episode, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like that moment was bad. Like him and Denise thing was just bad. Um, you got multiple people being like, like, what's he doing? Mm-hmm. Um, he he's one of the only people who didn't actually get to like we were we talked a lot about how um people got to reintroduce themselves. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, was, no. he his first introduction was weirdly introducing himself to Denise and then like um being angry like he was angry from pretty much the, any moment we saw him yeah and you know there's like i mean i know he doesn't want the season to be about uh his mom dying and how that helped him through millennials versus gen x but i think there's that sort of positive starting point from where you can go and that's not the story the nope. story is it just doesn't feel like his winning story no i could like if this is like they've screwed up already because <laughs> th- you could get so much goodwill from him. He is so smart. I actually really, really liked Ben being like, oh, I need to save him because he actually knows all these people's names. Um, mm-hmm. as a little bit jet- like a crass way to put it. But like Adam does know the game really well. He is a super fan. He is one of us. He should do well. He would be a good ally for that reason. But the fact that he was introduced just like he- I literally felt like he was swearing like every other word. <laughs> in the way where like, like teenagers trying to seem cool do um it is that's... just just this episode is so like mature and like very rarely negative like i don't want to say it was over positive but it was just very we're here we're here to play a game that we love and then like adam is like this crass force that sort of sticks out maybe ben is like almost there but it's definitely adam yeah adam's you're right like ben is i would say ben's like mixed like you get positivity there where like mm-hmm. we're, we're laughing with him like he ben's aware of how he's coming off right ben's mm-hmm. winking at the camera like oh my god what a dodo move i just told buster off everything uh but at the end of the day he gets the job done right adam we don't know what he's actually planning other than he's like like <laughs> he's just so mad like he's his confessionals he's mad when he's talking to people he's mad um, no, no, a tribal he's mad. Like, <laughs> I think he thought he was getting voted out. Like, oh yeah, probably. He seemed really salty. Uh, that's the that's what I got from him was salt, <laughs> which probably not great for his winner chances. No, and also like I feel like Denise, if we're doing like the alpha beta thing, Denise comes off like the alpha in this duo. Right. 
Like, obviously, we get, like, Denise's, like, why she's here. What happened on her last season? And, like, she's pulling Adam and it's not the other way around. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, But in fairness, I do think Adam played quite well here. He got himself oh, yeah. out of a good spot. Uh, out of a bad spot. Like, comparing him to Kim is just... You see, here's the right way to play. Here's the wrong way to play. It's like, yeah, this I almost mean, made me in my head be like, is Adam a better player than Kim? But I think I, I, I'll give Kim a little bit more time before I drop the axe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Adam, Adam played from the bottom pretty much flawlessly. Right. But the problem is that it, like, on the beach, I'm sure it was masterful because he literally went from getting voted out to getting a really good enemy out. Like, someone who probably, like, Natalie's probably never talking to Adam. Like, they probably have nothing in common. Right. Like, really, really good for him all around. Manages to flip Ethan, if that seemed to be crucial. It's just not how the episode showed it. Yeah, I'm sure what actually happened was there was this ambivalence about saying a name legitimately from Jeremy and Natalie. Whereas Adam and Denise were like, yeah, it's Natalie. But mm-hmm. they didn't want to show that because then it would spoil the episode. <laughs> But exactly. still, it wasn't shown in a way that was, like, giving Adam agency. Like, I could weirdly see it. Like, I saw what Adam was doing, but it wasn't Adam telling us what he's doing and then showing us that happening. Agreed. And yeah, so, yeah, like, there was no plan. If anything, it seemed like he was, like, it was presented like he was mad about it. And so they, other people decided to keep him. Mm-hmm. Like, this was credited to Ethan or Rob more than him, which probably unfair. But I'm actually here for like, like really angry Adam. Yeah. I hope I hope he lasts longer. And I was hoping he was first boot like before this. So mm-hmm. I don't know. He he probably had the most like edge to him, which was needed in this season with a bunch of like neutral people. Right. Yeah. There's not much edge still. And Adam was weirdly a very like sharp blade among all these mm. people being like but i'm here to prove myself and this was my, my kids <laughs> i'm, I'm just like excited. swearing every two seconds and like like red faced <laughs> like it was great mm-hmm. um another character who i thought was really good and i thought re- like really was one of the standards of the episode was ben so good so fun played terrible at the start <laughs> but i think by the end he was kind of able to like i think what's really cool about ben is he's able to know where he's weak. So he's like, oh, dang it. I got screwed over by Boston Rob. I don't think he has the best instincts in the world. But him afterwards being like, oh my goodness, I just voted with Boston Rob. I enabled him. That means I need to think about what I'm doing next. We need to take an Mm. old schooler out next. Right, yeah. He has a certain element of supreme survivor intelligence. And I mean, different. that's sort of what you saw in Triple H was like, yeah, he voted out Katrina, but then Chrissy was with him from like the rest of the season onward yes and i think ben or adam is almost going to be ben's alan ball maybe (laughs) (laughs) who would have anticipated that (laughs) right like yeah like as for him winning uh, he's middle trending lower like i can see it where he begins with this very like foul start and then he sort of daughters his way to the win. But it yeah. felt almost like a lane like to me. Yeah. Yeah, like he it, was kind of, they were like kind of relying on him for comedic relief. Right. Which is I a little thought, odd. Yeah. Big Elaine think, vibes. Yeah, 100% Elaine vibes. And I think what we're going to see in this season actually is sort of what we predicted where a lot of these winners are kind of bland personality wise. So they're mm-hmm. 
random qualities about them are going to be overemphasized. So Adam's saltiness. I feel like if Adam just played a random other season, he probably wouldn't be shown this like over the top salty. Ben mm-hmm. probably doesn't sh- get shown this goofy. Like he's being because there's no actual comedic relief character. There's no Nora. There's no one to laugh at. Yeah, especially on this tribe. It's yeah. all like these very like mature, down to earth people. <laughs> yeah, they're overemphasizing the tiny things Ben does goofy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which is kind of really fun. It's so it's more reality TV than which, yeah, I think is awesome. And I, I think Ben actually has a really good chance to mm-hmm. win. I think he hits that theme of you like at the end of the day, you belong. And mm-hmm. he, to me, he's the one who would actually make a lot of sense to be like, okay, I need to regroup. Because clearly I can't play with people like Boston Rob. He's better than me, but that doesn't mean that he'll beat me. Right. I will say there's this interesting pairing between him and Michelle. Mm -hmm. Like Ben is asked that tribal council question where like Michelle just breaks and is like, oh my gosh, the pace of the game. And then like, we don't see a lot from the blue tribe in that second part of the episode, but we do see a scene between Ben and Michelle being like, okay, here's what we need to do going forward. So there's this weird like pairing between them that I'm excited to see where it goes because mm-hmm. it's not something I would have expected. Hundred <laughs> percent, but it kind of makes sense when you think about it. I don't know. Um, two winners that people don't super think are best. Yeah, the ones that need to emphasize belonging. Yeah, for sure. But like personality wise. Um, <laughs> next we'll move here to Danny. Aha, uh-huh. who really had a shockingly visible episode right like i think the the overdone twitter joke of uh this wednesday was danny getting more content in this episode than in the entirety of (laughs) almost true well are you a danny believer now or where do you oh no i think i was a hundred percent right danny (laughs) came off to me like the best they could possibly edit a complete bozo who has no idea what they're doing. Right. I was right, like <laughs> initially, I think I was like, Oh, this is a great episode for Danny. Like uh, we ch- ch- got to see the true side of her. She's actually going to be capable. And I thought about it and I was like, but her whole idea was like, I'm going to target Rob. And then she like, 180s on that immediately. Yes. Like, That's not good, Danny. And like, she has like these like makings of like an inept, Unfortunately, like the character, the stereotype is there, but like, and she feels older female player goat. Right yeah, yeah, hundred percent. To me, what's the like? Just on facts alone, what's the difference between what she did and what Ben did? Nothing. Mm-hmm. But we are supposed to laugh at Ben. We're supposed to just be neutral on Danny. Yeah. Um. She also got just made to look like a complete idiot, in my opinion, by Boston Rob. Like. It's like, oh, so why do you do that? And she's like, oh, uh, I, I, everyone's a threat. What do you mean? Um, mm-hmm. To me, she just doesn't seem like a good player at all. Yeah. Her reasoning Rob- for targeting Boston Rob was, well, why wouldn't you? He's good. <laughs> He's played a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Rob made that decision and sided with Danny. It didn't mean Danny was a good player. She felt if anything, very, it's the opposite. Yeah. She felt like very like she lucked her way into that more than anything. Yeah, she played bad, and to me, what I saw was Boston Rob being like, oh, she's bad. Yeah, okay, you can be like, my ally. I think he saw the potential in Ben versus the sort of, uh, like, simpleness of Danny. Yes. I mean, it was a little harsh, but, like, just, she's going to give it to you straight, and, like, in some ways, that's the best thing to be aligned with. It's, so. I mean, it's classic Boston Rob, right? Like, in Redemption Island, he's like, okay, I really like Matt, but he's the only one, him and Francesca are the people I need to get out, right? Like, right. like they need to go. Why? Because they have edge to them. 
Mm-hmm. Danny got no edge at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, I don't see a world where Danny can win this game because most, and not even from the edit, to be honest, mostly because I think she actually was shibbly. It's just like I'm sure they could get something better than this if she's winning. And to me, this shows she's a long term character. But is a goat. Take along. From her edit, I'm kind of keeping my eye out for this, but I feel like she's the one with that good first episode edit who is like our second boot. Um, in this case, it's the third, but like. That's possible. Because like if they're going for a, um old school player, like maybe they go for Danny. Very, very, very possible. Where, yeah, I, I think overall she's a secondary character. Yeah, for sure. And I agree because you're right. She has that thing that kind of Chelsea had last season where on first look, you're like, oh, wow, I remember her having content. You're like, wait, she said nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And like, yeah, I'm just she doesn't really she doesn't really have a story that she played a long time ago. I mean, I won't say I'm buying into how you feel about Guatemala, Danny, but I don't. Oh, know this I'm I'm so glad. <laughs> Yo, OK, brief aside for anyone who didn't listen to the previous one. Everything you've ever heard about uh, Danny is from the <laughs> lens of Danny saying she played really good um and you nerds just didn't see it she has no idea how this game works and it's so obvious in this episode complete indictment or um uh agreement with everything i said last week in this episode Mm. but see now my contrarian personality is like i want her to win so you're just totally proven wrong (laughs) danny the second's a two-time winner what a queen yeah i think yeah i i I, that was the thing i was low-key happy about (laughs) i'm glad i i'm right because if I was wrong, I would have been sad. Yeah, it was like, oh, Danny content. But like, oh, this is, this is, hmm. <laughs> I know Boston Rob's name. He's got to go. <laughs> He's played like 900 times. Yeah. Um. So that brings us to Denise, who is great. Oh, she's, yeah, an amazing character. Like, just, she feels relatable. Like, talking to the audience at points. Like, her tribal council. Like, I hope this isn't me. And uh, she's just great. Feels like a real person. Yes. Feels like a real person. She's very charismatic. You get why people are drawn in. I think mm-hmm. she played well. Um, like, okay, getting le- leaving the group, whatever, that was bad. But, but I, I think, think that- along with Adam, she played it really well. And I think... Her- yeah, just owning up to it. Where she's like, ugh, silly me. But, like, there you go. Yep. And, like, she hits a lot of the themes. To me, Denise could probably be a decently long-term character. Mm-hmm. A little hard to tell because she doesn't have, like, a set story yet. Other than her yeah. bond with Adam. But I don't think Adam's very long for this game so i need like more next episode yes like i was initially sort of disappointed that she did not get that moment talking about how she won her first immunity but like she sort of did like you could there's this like scene visibly where you see her being like oh my gosh a tribal immunity idol which we didn't talk about it but the tribal immunity idol amazing oh it looks sick yeah it's so different from like previous idols i feel like that's just enough like do yep. something else um yep. i really liked it and honestly i think if she had that enough like if she had it referenced it again it would have to be in that confessional before the commercial mm-hmm. and then she would have said the same thing twice and i just don't think that's necessarily necessary screen real estate at all yeah i mean we needed to hear from amber's husband at that point because exactly. amber's husband was in danger exactly <laughs> um but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. Like, Denise just, like, if her content was, I've never won immunity before. Oh, I've won immunity now. 
It's pretty shallow. She could mm-hmm. she can say it in the next episode or whatever. Yeah, she's not very high for me, but I could see a rebound. Could it see just, a rebound. Yeah, I agree. It needs to be like like I need a bigger idea of where she's going next episode. Hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to the, in my opinion, maybe one of the breakout characters of this episode for sure ethan was amazing yes like i don't tear up but like the second one where he's like it's not just about that i had cancer between last time i played and now it's like after the cancer and like what could have happened i was like oh that is very good and just like wanting to get back to his 27 year old self which like he feels like the person who has visibly changed the most between his um seasons like amber talking about how she looks the same which she does she actually does as opposed to ethan who definitely does not look 27 anymore Mm -mm. um like i couldn't ever tell how long his hair was like is that a ponytail or is it just like all slicked back (laughs) like i don't know (laughs) but like yeah he's such He's like the like emotional attachment so far, which yeah, I'm wary because like that was Kelly Wigglesworth first episode too. Like she got that big moment being like, I'm back. And then Ethan did have more than that though. Yeah. Like I agree. Like Kelly Wigglesworth was I'm back. Isn't that cool? And she had nothing else. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas I do think Ethan had, you're right. Like the emotional core there was so good. Like I had goosebumps where he's like, I never thought I would play this game that I love so much again, which mm-hmm. was brilliant. Like he did such a good job, but he did like, that was the start of his content in this episode. By the end it was, Oh my God, I'm so excited. Cause it's going so fast. And I'm running. I don't really know what's happening, but I'm excited and I'm helping. Mm-hmm. And I never got the vibe that um, Ethan was too slow or right. If anything, I feel like this episode was set telling us Ethan was struggling. And then he realized how fast he needed to go. And he he didn't miss a step. Yeah, he's so happy to be here, and he's also ready to be here. Yeah, and he's been preparing, and I th- I feel like the it was trying to tell us a little bit like he knows a little bit more than he's presenting to the people outwardly because he does watch the show, he loves the show, um, so he is a little bit more new school than they'd expect. Yeah, yeah. So, I have Ethan as a high contender. Yeah, same. But I feel like he's a little bit more volatile than other people like i could yeah i agree diving my tier two he's like at the bottom of tier one for me that's also fair because to me i think you're right like he has a lot of things going for him he has personal content he has strategic content we know who he likes we know a lot of things about him he has a story is a story that actually matches up well with what a winner might look like in this season but it always gets shown (laughs) right and i think with just the premiere to go on, there's always an element of like w- very wishful thinking. Like, what if this happened? And I think Ethan is such an amazing, like, oh my gosh, if Ethan won, that would be amazing. Yes. So, like, but that's like also a very good thing for an edit, I think. Cause like, if you have people wanting you to win, like, the editors are doing something, right? That's also true. I mean, 100%. I think they nailed Ethan's story. Like, seeing him, like, I think the shot, choosing the shot of him just bouncing the soccer ball. Mm-hmm really really smart like like i think they really nailed ethan's story here i think he is an amazing confessionalist Mm -hmm. i think he's going to be a main character throughout the season um winner the problem is very rarely does the growth edit win and he has a lot of growth edit upside Mm, i mean it i guess it depends on what this season does with growth Mm -hmm. because like we have this idea of belonging and you have two people in Michelle and Ben who feel like they have somewhere to grow. Ethan, I wouldn't say he didn't deserve his win. Like for what Africa was, he played very well. 
Um, I think it's just going from there, making sure it's consistent and it makes sense as a winner. Like, he feels like he can go very narratory, narrative very fast. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, he's To me, he's one of the more likely out of this tribe to win. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Like he really was like the main character of this tribe, and yeah, he's he's my top contender from this tribe. On yeah, same him or him or Ben, to be honest. Mm, I have someone else in mind. <gasps> I I hope you're right. Uh, okay, because I think <laughs> I know who it is. Uh, so we'll move here to Jeremy. Uh, who honestly didn't have the greatest episode, but I don't think that discontinues him at all. I think this is a necessary bad episode. Mm. <laughs> I think he's here for a while. Maybe. But I don't think he's winning. I'm like so far off the Jeremy train. Like it's <gasps> kind of like validation that I was like, right? Like, wow, this Jeremy was not great. Like nothing special. Like I kind of feel if he were winning, we would have this sort of like what happened with Jeremy to Natalie, like a Natalie to Jeremy. And it certainly wasn't that. No. Like, it just, and like I didn't get any, I don't think we got why Jeremy is here. Like, his winning story. He just doesn't feel special. He feels very incidental to what's going on on an already pretty incidental tribe. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm so low on Jeremy right now. <laughs> I don't think I'm that low on Jeremy. I, I think, I mean, episode one structured as Natalie's going. You can't, he can't have too much content there because it spoils the boot. So we do get Natalie talking about how much Jeremy means to her. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't really get the reverse, but I think that's okay because he's still here. Um, granted, the second part of this episode completely ignoring the tribe, very bad for Jeremy. You'd expect him to probably comment on it. He did a little bit, right? Like he he has two tokens. He talked about that. Um, he thanked Natalie, stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, we should just probably talk about the second half of the episode and what it did to this tribe. Like you had Jeremy getting the fire token and Ben and Michelle talking. Yep, that's and that it. was it. Literally so it. Like, that is insane. Because you have Parvati and Rob here. And like, did they just really like UTR Parvati and Rob in the second episode? Like, uh, oh. They invisibled Rob and Parvati. Okay, but it is known in the lore of this podcast that I do not believe in Inv. So yeah, also true, Rob true. had like challenge presence. So true, true, true. He literally carried his team on his back. But yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. That was like this whole tribe has that cloud hanging over them, but especially, mm-hmm. I mean, at least Jeremy got content there. That's which is true. Something, right? That puts him above some people. Right. But, um, well, not for me. I mean, he's above Adam, but no one else. <laughs> to me, he's still alive. He's still alive. Like, um, need like one more episode probably to figure out where he's going. Like, but like, it's maybe he, he just doesn't actually care too much about Natalie, right? Like, he does say, I'm gonna get them, right? Like, sure, that's the start of the story. We just need to pay off to that, and then I can start believing it's something. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, I thought played pretty badly in this episode, to be honest, right? Like, he is Pick like a name, yeah, like suspect number one for like wishy washiness. <laughs> just pick some names. It'll be fine. Yeah, to me, it all, I'm, I'm sure this isn't how it actually happened, but edit-wise, I was pretty much convinced that if they just said picked one of them, that Adam goes home. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's what it seemed like. Right, yeah. Maybe that's not the case, but I don't know. Let's move here to Michelle, who I'm not super high on myself. Um, Was basically invisible in the first part. Second part got good content, but not good enough, I don't think. 
Um, I mean, this is my like wishful thinking. Like this episode was good for everyone in some way. Apparently not Jeremy, but Michelle um, and someone else we'll talk about later. Uh, but like they were ignored in the first episode and then came in in the second episode in a way that made sense. Like, I don't feel like we needed Michelle in the first episode but we got her when we needed her in the second. So, like, obviously I'm not, like, Michelle, number one contender. But I'm interested to see where it goes from here. I think, I think like, Michelle and the other person we'll soon get to may not be a top contender for people in Edgic this first episode, but give it a few episodes. I think they'll be like, these few episodes have been good. And you know what? That premiere actually makes some sort of sense. Yeah. So, and Michelle's never going to dominate our TV. <laughs> like when like Parvati right. and Boston Rob. And I mean, yeah, look at, look at her co-wrong at it and just sort of let that circulate. And yeah. yeah, I don't think that's a bad point to me. It's just, she didn't really have much. I felt like if anything, Ben, like the problem is her good content is married to Ben who looked way better. And we'll see. That's where I'm like, I'm not sure about Ben. So fair for it. I get it. I'm I'm way them. higher on Ben basically. I think I think the two of them will do damage game. They're going far, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But and like that's the thing is Michelle got I actually thought it was a brilliant editing decision to keep her invisible episode yeah. like part one and then have her like kind of rise like a phoenix and be like, wait a minute, I don't want to be bad Michelle. I want to be a good <laughs> player. Brilliant mm-hmm. way to introduce that story. And the problem is if that's what it was, she's up high. The problem is it was like, oh, and I love Ben so much. Mm-hmm. Was it though? Well, to me it was like Ben going to her and being like, we need to get rid of old players because we're going to get forgotten about. And like, she's like, yeah, I agree. You know, I don't know. Um, She has some upside. It's just a little rocky. Mm -hmm. It was fun seeing her. Yeah. And like the way she, during her and Danny's scene where they're just sort of panicking, the way she like has her outburst at tribal council. It's all sorts Mm -hmm. of little interesting bits. I'm excited to see more Michelle. hundred percent. Um, which brings us to Parvati, Mm -hmm. the greatest person to ever live. The greatest survivor player of all time. Such an interesting. Yeah. I have her. She's my second contender from, uh, Sela. Okay, cool. That's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. If (laughs) you're just looking at the edit, like, and you take out the fact that this is Parvati shallow, maybe maybe number one most iconic survivor of all time like up there that lowers it quite a bit i mm, see i if the interesting thing when i was looking at preseason edits like their edits from before is that parvati always does this she has like a quiet start or she has a big first premiere and then sort of quiets down Mm -hmm. which like in the context of how it was happened here, eh, that might be a little more like just looking at charts than anything. But that first episode was so good for her. It was. But I'm not. I'm not too concerned. Yeah, I think. Okay, so this is how I'm thinking. Parvati's story shaking out. Either she's leaving really, really soon, mm-hmm. and this was her like swan song. Yeah, she could very much be that Chelsea Walker, Molly Byman, absolutely person. But her story was so good. She really looked better than everybody else. Even Rob had like these big uh, bodacious moments, but had weaknesses too. She just looked, Mm -hmm. she looked like a winner. If this was a new cast, I'd probably put Parvati up there as maybe number one or two. The problem is it is Parvati. So it could be them giving her her swan song. With Mm -hmm. that caveat in mind, I don't think Parvati's our winner, but I think Parvati is going to be the one that, I honestly think we're going to have the her and Ga- uh, Sandra and Game Changers edit where look how dang good Parvati is, is going to be her story. And I think she's going to do the best of these legends, like of 
Rob, Sandra, um, who even else would be there? Kim, probably. Tony. Yeah. But I think, I honestly think Parvati, Rob, Sandra are a, a tier above. Right. It's like those three and then Tony and Tyson. Mm. I think of the I think of the top three of Parvati, Rob, and Sandra. I think Parvati does the best. And I think she goes really like my gut is saying she goes far and in a way that's really, really impressive. A serene game changer is what I'm kind of thinking. Where it's like, wow, how did they let Parvati get that far? Hmm. Is she the greatest of all time? Maybe. Because I think Parvati really is like the rare one person who could not win this game and come out with the reputation of the greatest player of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's her, it's those three, right? Like, sure. The way this episode sort of set her up is like, Parvati is just really good. Mm-hmm. And it's like setting you up to think she either wins or if she goes out, it's because she's a huge threat. Yep. And her going out is just like a great move. She's the type of player that when you're just watching scenes that aren't caught like there's no confessional over talk like like coloring the experience that you're like wow i get why people get sucked in right like yeah she speaks so poetically and with such purpose and it feels like she's actually thinking about what's gonna make you the most feel the most special Mm -hmm. like that scene with rob was so cute yeah like yeah i sort of like because i think i came into this being like i haven't seen parvati in 10 years I don't really have like huge affection toward her. And I was just thinking, I was like, how lucky are we to talk about a season with Parvati in it? Because it's like, is she so good? She's easily the most charismatic on this cast. And I don't mm-hmm. even think it's close. Mm-hmm. Like she just, you can just see people. Imme- it's, you know what it is? It's, it's what Tony said in his confessional where it's, you just see people why she does well, because like, you just see people pull their guard down a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And like, I shouldn't trust poverty, but I do. I shouldn't mm-hmm. trust poverty, but I do. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm starting to whatever. And like, what a star. I really, really hope I'm right. And she goes far. If she's gone next week, I'll be devastated. I don't want to see her on average of extinction. That'd just be sad. Mm-hmm. But she was so impressive and she could win. And I did not expect that feeling. Yeah. Cause we're, I was talking cursing it into the world that she might be the first boot and she had like none of that energy here she was like someone who could bond with everyone be in a good spot and she really is like why am i not being targeted like that makes sense like she was still sassy poverty like Mm -hmm. like oh it was so good like (laughs) i don't know um yeah I, i I just I want her to do so well. I'll, I'll, this is my this is my week, but yeah, I want her to do well. So we'll go here to Rob. We've talked about him a lot. Um, obviously, it's kind of hard to talk about the season without talking about Boston Robbies. On both tribes is quite important. Mm-hmm. It was fun seeing him work with poverty. I think he comes off looking much better than I expected. I think he could go far. I have concerns. Like I said, there's that weird feeling of like, I'm not supposed to like him, but I think there's also a chance. Like I feel that way every time I see Boston Rob. Cause like, I think there's moments in redemption Island where you're like, yeah, Bob's <laughs> Bob Rob is playing very uh, well, but like, it's not rootable. Like, it's a little arrogant. Like, I don't like the way he's going, but he still won. So it's something to consider. I mean, he he got the confessional for when the other tribe was going to tribal council. So, like, what does that mean? I think uh, it means he's Boston Rob. <laughs> like, after in our notes, when I was rewatching, I spitefully changed Amber's name to Rob's wife. 
when I heard that because that's pretty much sort of what happened here. And then, but I don't know. I have him like maybe smack dab in the middle. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's pretty much where I have him too, where Amber leaving effectively first is maybe the best thing that could ever happen to Boston Rob. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like all in my head, like I always pictured Amber with that or Amber without Rob. You know what I mean? Like, but Rob without Amber. So it cuts down a little bit of threat. He's still Boston Rob. He's still like, he still has that huge baggage behind him, Mm -hmm. but he looks weaker because his wife's gone. Right. Amber's gone. So it gives him a little bit of, uh, I think wiggle room. And as we saw, he is a very good player. Like he just connects to people really well. Mm -hmm. I don't think it comes off as on screen as well. I'm like, wait, why is Ben leaking this information? Like, it's not like Rob's even asking him particularly hard questions or anything. Um, I I would say he does ask hard questions, but he can do it in this very, like, like, prying, like, but also conversational way. That's very, it's very familiar. And you, like, want to act the point, but, like, it's efficient. It's getting out information. It's making decisions and all that. Okay, I'll, 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 like, I'll agree with that. Like, gosh, what am I doing here defending Rob's game? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I i i'm i'll switch here a little bit to say like i said i think he made a terrible move taking out mm-hmm. Ali. i think it was the, just the straight up objective wrong move maybe he didn't have as much agency there as we thought or as we were shown but if he did mistake i think hmm. i guess i get trying to maybe he might be trying a little bit more to play the middle than we're seeing which mm-hmm. will give him some points but like we know him and jeremy are close like why is he blindsiding jeremy well yeah they played one. that poker game together right like <laughs> maybe he just isn't factoring in the poker maybe <laughs> kim's right it is not a thing i don't know but i would say o- go ahead overall i think rob could go surprisingly far yeah yeah for sure i would say it looks worse for him than parvati to have yes. that really bad episode too agreed like i don't know it's just like why is there there's no i mean he does once again he has the challenge content was really like strong if you're going to ignore that whole tribe but still like, mm-hmm. nothing on our all winter season you're just gonna ignore half the cast here like especially when so in the first part it was about 50 50 in content the second part was all decal if right. it was all sele in episode one or even over in episode mm-hmm. one i'd be a little less suspicious but the fact that it was 50 50 maybe even skewing decal in episode one and then all the call episode two. It's like, yeah. oh, does this trap just not matter? Yeah. I mean, have we mentioned complex tribe theory yet? But it's the theory that the winner comes from the tribe, which is more complex, which is to say the one that gets more developed has more uh, relationships and alliances explored. You have a better picture of what's going on there. And you would have to argue to me pretty intently to say that Sela was that tribe. Yeah. Because it wasn't. <laughs> it was yeah. <laughs> but... Like, I'll give it a little bit longer. Right. I don't, but <laughs> you're right. Like, gun to my head, Decal is definitely the complex track. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll monitor it further, but that's the worst thing for Rob is that he's just, and he's Boston, like, Boston Rob going invisible is, like, really bad, I think. Mm-hmm. He's just not the archetype that can get away with that. Yeah, even like where he was, like that under yep. the radar, just no good. Which I guess brings us poor Natalie. We've talked about her a little bit. Um, she's on Edge of Extinction. She's kind of fun there, I guess. <laughs> and she's fine. I feel like her edit was just very to the point of what it needed to do tonight. It's kind of rude. <laughs> they like, really gave her nothing. I was like, is Natalie really going home? Like, 
this doesn't feel like a proper boot edit. And then like a pretty just like by the book, like this is how of extinction works. And yeah. 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 At tribal, I did not think she was going home. Just we literally just learned she likes Jeremy. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, maybe that's her story is she gives her Jeremy his token or her token. And that's pretty much the end of her relevance. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. So that's the cell tribe. Sella? Well, I, I don't know. It's just weird to think about that compared to Reem <laughs> was our first Edge of Extinctioner. Like, Natalie will probably be fun there. I hope so. It's kind of a weird existence right now with Natalie and Amber. Like, <laughs> right. It's like a sitcom no one asked for, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. guess it'll be on our TV next week. <laughs> Not... <laughs> Not something CBS doesn't normally do, I mean. Yeah, it's really like the Joey spinoff where you're like, I guess I like Friends. Uh, I have to watch this? That is, is this weird. canon? That is weird that we're in this like series or era of Survivor where it's like, now part of the content is this weird like five minute like show about people who aren't really playing the game but are still in it, kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And yeah, they're, they're just walking around an island. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's... That's the Sela tribe. We'll move here mm-hmm. to the Dekal tribe where, mm-hmm. I mean, most of the content was here. This tribe was so much better. I get why they got more content. They're fun. Although, I think on the whole, they might be worse at challenges. So that yes. might be interesting. Yeah. Like they, I, all, I guess, did very well in these two, but like they give me like kind of bad at challenges sometimes vibes. We'll I agree with that. And somehow we're starting with Kim alphabetically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah kim had a rocky episode to say the least Mm -hmm. like (sighs) when i talk about michelle i also talk about kim but there's like (laughs) the difference between michelle and kim makes that a little stretchier to consider and also the way kim sort of presented where it's like literally no content until she's in danger and then she literally falls to the ground being like i'm begging you please save me was like, hmm, that's not Kim. the Kim we know and love. <laughs> <laughs> right? This has got to be... Like, I thought about this for literally hours, days, weeks, months. How, like, what could be the worst Kim could look? And I never <laughs> thought of this. Like, mopey, whiny, like, crybaby Kim? <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Um, real start, like real uh, shell shock there. Where, like, yeah, like she was literally like bleeding on the ground. Like, <laughs> this is Kim's Bradlin. The internet's told everyone that she's the greatest of all time, and mm-hmm. like, just like she was a disaster. Of all the people who came in with, like, Parvati comes out looking amazing. Rob comes out looking amazing. She looked pathetic. That's the mm-hmm. vibe she, like, the energy she gave off. She was like sort of competing with Adam for edgy doesn't fit in vibes <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. like whew, like i've always been very very high on kim and i think this is the one episode possibly manufactured to make me doubt her like i'm like oh maybe one world was really that bad oh yeah like now i'm like certainly like one world's cast was- mm. <laughs> right oh no <laughs> like she seemed um like she even to me she seemed unlikable and uncharismatic and oh well weirdly i like liked kim in this episode like she had a bit of fight to her i liked how she was like i'm acknowledging my presence before she collapsed on the ground like i don't know she came off to me like that manager everyone hate like (laughs) like (laughs) she walks up and everyone she's like and everyone's quiet and then she's like 
wow, you're being quiet because I'm around. Like, she seemed not nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I will say two things. Because I believe much about Michelle what I believe about Kim. We'll see how next episode pans out and it'll get fleshed out from there. Because I still feel like this could be a potentially, like, really interesting start to the Kim Spradlin Wolf winner edit story. True. Uh, Two things. Uh, First off, her outfit is amazing. It is. That shirt and those shorts. Great. Love it. Um, The other thing, she had this weird positivity in the, like, opening challenge. (laughs) Like, where she, like, drags the other tribe over to her pole and is like gets the point for them i mean gave me like laurel johnson vibes which like well but is that a good thing true i mean (laughs) kim clearly showed herself to be a beast right like Mm. that was like an intimidating performance right um yeah i mean so she'll probably be fine like i think i think she'll be okay yeah i feel like i've been a little over negative just this was a terrible episode i still know I no, still think means- Kim Spradlin, the goat, could, I mean, like, greatest of all time, could come out. I think that's possible. And maybe they just really were not giving her a chance. But, like, if they're giving Tony a chance, like, you you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they're giving Parvati and Boston Rob and Sandra a chance. But, I don't know, It's it seemed like a little bit of a stretch to me that it was all reputation that was keeping her out. Mm-hmm. So... I'm very curious to see. Yeah, keep tracking. I... I've, Oddly enough, I think she could win. I mean, she's my winner pick, so I'm like in ultra defense mode. But like I said about Michelle, I think if things go right, Kim will be someone people maybe come back to and be like, hmm. Yeah, I don't think she's eliminated. Like, honestly, a lot of these people are. I don't think she is. I have her 11th. (laughs) That seems right to me, actually. (laughs) Like quite a few people above her, but like barely alive Mm -hmm. because it could be the gimmick. You know what I mean? It could be how she built herself back up. Yeah, I was going to say, is she Dean Kowalski? But, like, Dean Kowalski didn't win, so... She could be very similar to Dean Kowalski, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, this is almost better, because we know this episode was edited as one episode. Right. So it actually works a little bit better for that, like, ooh, to maximize her storytelling, what we're going to do is we're going to make you miss her. Like, where is she? Where is she? Where is she? She's a disaster. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like... yeah. I was like, oh my God, she must like, to me, like I was even telling like my, my girlfriend, I was watching it. I'm like, oh, so she's probably just playing really optimal and like boring. So like, she's just not going to get content. They're going to invisible Kim because she's just playing well. How ah. classic survivor. Much and like then, Danny Boatwright in Guatemala. Exactly. Much as popularized <laughs> by Danny Boatwright, uh, the greatest player of all time in Guatemala. And they just mm-hmm. gameplay. Yep. And then they're like, haha, nerds on the internet look terrible um, so that was something i'm here for it i'm ready for yep. episode three of kim Stradlin. wolf yeah she was probably the most entertaining she's ever been <laughs> right uh, yeah kind of true uh, i did not expect abby maria Spradlin, uh but <laughs> here we go uh yeah so anyway she could still rebound she's still obviously a capable player but this is making me doubt one world a little bit um mm-hmm. Brings us to Nick, uh, who shockingly had a really good episode despite being pretty quiet. Yeah, he was super quiet. Like I was like, oh, he's he wasn't really present, but I feel like I remember him. Mm-hmm. Like he had that line about the fire tokens, mm-hmm. and he was just like there a lot of the time. I feel so like you knew of Nick. I think it was a good a good look for him. Yeah, pretty much. He was in the he's the fourth in the alliance guy. You know what I mean? Like. Well, see, I feel, I feel like Wendell is the fourth in the alliance. 
Ugh, wrong go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I like Nick basically proved to be he's the guy he's in the alliance he's cool with yule and yule's of his <laughs> tribe yule's the main character nick's his friend that's an okay spot to be in right now mm-hmm. because he got content he got like especially fire tokens are gonna be really important to his story it's very mm-hmm. possible um i don't think he like to me there's a clear person in the alliance that looks the best he's not that person but i feel like anybody associated with yule who is not yule right now is mm-hmm. I mean, I have thoughts on Yule, but yeah, I think he looks okay. Yeah, Nick but does. other than that, Nick was really not in the episode too much, so. Yeah, and I, that's an interesting, because I believe he was the most visible character in yes. the pre-merge of David versus Goliath, so to see this more under-the-radar Nick is different, but it's not a bad look. I thought he was playing really well from what I could see, like. Oh, for sure. His dialogues were good, he was talking to people well. He did seem nervous, like he seemed nervous, whereas, I mean, in, um, uh, shoot D- david versus goliath he was overconfident right like he was like all his confessionals were like um mm-hmm. like even when he almost got voted out it was oh my goodness i'm gonna do everything i can to make this worth it because i only should have had three days i'm gonna make sure i do everything i can to win mm-hmm. um there's always a confidence in uh like a spark to him that was like he felt a little defeated in this episode but it's probably good for him long term because i'm sure he'll like he'll get his sea legs a little bit i really liked him for what we saw Mm-hmm. He feels like he'll be very fun in the episodes to come. I agree. I thought he had re- some really fun camp life moments. Like, he just seems like a, actually like a funny dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is good. He was my preseason winner pick. He's probably like number seven for me right now. He's number six for me. Yeah, that seems that seems right. Where there's a tier of people above him. But if like Nick wins, like time traveler comes forward, I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. um so let's go to sandra not a great episode for sandra i don't think <laughs> yeah it just it just doesn't have winner vibes like you know yeah. like i don't know like what does winner sandra even feel like i can't <laughs> remember but it i don't know it feels too she's like admitting that she's playing suboptimally and i feel like that's setting you up for being like oh this is why sandra doesn't win mm-hmm. it does to me the thing that i'm noticing is it changers like look how impressive she is Mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i feel like game changer statement on sandra was look she doesn't make it that far but look how impressive she is this is like you should appreciate sandra as a winner even though she this is her worst performance numerically it's her most overt and aggressive play you should appreciate her a little bit more mm-hmm. i didn't even get that vibe really i got like she's there like thanks for inviting me yeah that's about it mm-hmm. i don't think she makes it very far the idol is really good for her though because that's the, her first three tribals right mm-hmm. so or i mean that's when sandra's vulnerable it might be the next three could be next three but like still yeah i get what you're saying but it also feels like she's almost in this sorry position where she's like can be taken for a while and then you know you can't let sandra get to the end and she's not Mm. winning individual immunity so yeah i could see her making it like i don't to me i think she's a swap boot again maybe even next like she could leave early except for the idol no i think i like swap boot because i think if that core of sandra saratoni stays strong like they're going to look like some sort of threat so yeah and they made sure to mention that a couple times Mm -hmm. so trio mm mm-hmm and I, I mean, I liked what she was delivering as a as a character in this, like, yeah, especially as the Jeff Probst uh, replacement. <laughs> Very funny. Very good. Um, and yeah, it's it's a fun group she finds herself in. I, I did like, hey Tony, we're good again, and they hug, and like that was. Mm-hmm. So let's move to Sarah, mm-hmm. who stole Wendell's gimmick. What's Wendell's gimmick? With the reed in her mouth or whatever. The... Oh, she's doing that now too. Yeah, she had that too. 
I did not see that. Uh, yeah, she wasn't in it much. Her, her basically her story emerges as um, like I'm the latest female winner. Yeah, like we had very low hopes for Sarah. Like we thought she might be the first boot. She wasn't that, but she doesn't read like the winner. Like, no. even more so than Sarah. Like she's third lowest. I got Adam. I got Jeremy, and then I got Sarah. Oh, I, I'd have Jeremy above Sarah. This is just not how Sarah looks like if she wins. True, but you know, I'm so I'm so low on Jeremy. So true, true, true. Yeah, to me, that that would be me with Sarah, where it's just even on when her tribe got so much content, she got nothing. Yeah, like, and this is Sarah, who like honestly is has like a unique perspective compared to other people. We don't even know what she's playing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we right. don't have a uh, defining style. When with a character like Sarah, who we've seen at two completely different speeds, I think is important. Mm-hmm. Is this game changer, Sarah? Is this? Um, uh, Kageon Sarah, they didn't bother to tell us real bad for sure. Granted, yeah. this is probably better for her longevity than we were expecting. Mm-hmm. She seems so safe right now. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about meat shield strategy. <laughs> she has Sandra and Tony as her main ally. Yeah, unless they're trying to keep Sandra and Tony around, like, are, is she ever like? But the other thing is, Sarah isn't that much below them. She might That's even true. be above Tony in terms of like threat. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, if all those votes before they even started the game had anything, I think people mm. see Sarah as more of a threat. So which means if they're going after threats, they go after Sarah or after Sandra, and if they're going after Scrubs, they go after Tony. So Sarah's kind of like like protected above and below. Mm-hmm. And also, I think she's just in a good spot. Like I don't know, I'm guessing she's just a follower. You know what I mean? I, I'm guessing she's not that important to the story, right? Which I think bodes well for Tony. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I wish she got more personally. But Yeah, like I weirdly liked her. Like she had very interesting like talk. I know that sounds weird, but she was just like very conversational in an interesting way. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah, that's probably good for Sarah. Yeah? That's Sarah. Can't win, I don't think. Yeah, that's yeah. an X. If so, they screwed up. If next episode has a really big turnaround, maybe. Yeah, yeah, obviously. To, yeah. Has to lay it all out like they should have done in this first episode, basically. Yeah, there's always a little bit of a caveat. Like, if every mm. single one of her other episodes are spectacular, she could probably. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, <laughs> my official winner pick, I think, after episode one, Sophie Clark. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Episode one of the show. No, episode. I was like, you picked Nick. So, oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, yeah. Looks uh, incredible. Wow. Like Is you could just... not edit Sophie better. Are they just re-airing South Pacific on my TV again? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> she was so likable. She was my favorite character, I think, other than Parvati in this whole episode. Maybe other than Tony too. Up there, gave some mm-hmm. of the best confessionals, and she wasn't presented. Michelle gave um michelle and danny both had things where they're like ah some people think i shouldn't have won sophie didn't have that sophie's also a controversial winner mm-hmm. that survivor probably wasn't super happy with in south pacific um but that's not how she's presented she presented like a like a star equal yeah. to like she was presented at the same level as like yule and tony and all that right like mm-hmm. she's not like she's really really damn good for sophie Right. And yeah, just like perfect Sophie content where it's like writing that like more CP line, like mm-hmm. kind of complex, like a little content, but the right content. Oh, it was just so good. So good. Yeah, I had to eat my words like I to everybody was like Sophie's doomed because 
I like her, but she comes off just a little mean. She's a little too snarky and she's a little too smart. And I thought that would really, really do her not well, especially on this tribe. I was so wrong because she gets it. She's like, oh, yeah, people, I, I come off smart. Hey, you will be my ally. Mm-hmm. So smart. Um, And I think that duo is the complex duo, I feel like. If I'm mm-hmm. going to make a guess, they were presented really nice and like really well done. Like it feels like a very important duo inside of a four. Yeah. And the thing that to me puts her as number one for sure. It's the w- old Wendell theory of uh, Wendell is the alpha to Dominic's beta, even though Dominic's the loud one. Mm-hmm. Sophie positioned herself as that with Yule by saying Yule's my meat shield, nerd shield. Right. And just the way Yule is throughout the episodes it feels very like i'm putting all the pieces together like this is my alliance but it feels like sophie's in charge yep it's you know what it is it's in star wars um it's all vader 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 look how badass vader is look how cool vader is look at all the bad guys he's good guys he's killing and then it's like oh but the emperor's actually in charge Mm mm-hmm Sophie's the emperor, Yule is Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And I loved her confessional where she's like talking about physics or whatever. Like, yeah. Perfectly writing the line of snark. She was fun on the like on the beach. I I think maybe top five moments of the episode was Sophie just like with this giant grin tribal. And everyone's like, what, what are you smiling about? She's like, oh, sorry, I was thinking about the money. Like, <laughs> like come on, that was amazing. Sophie is over-delivering. Like, Mm -hmm. this is better Sophie than South Pacific. This is... Oh, for sure. Because they've, like, realized, hey, Sophie's just another winner. Like, Mm -hmm. she's good, too. (laughs) Yeah, like, they've accepted her. And to me, that's a huge sign for her. Because there's no preamble to it. You know what I mean? There's no um, caveat. There's no anything Mm. to, like, over-justification. There's like, oh, yeah, Sophie's here. Isn't she cool? It's almost like they forgot she was lame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I also really liked her answer to the tribal council question where she's like, well, someone had the wrong conversation and, or I hope I didn't have the wrong conversation last conversation, but someone did. And mm-hmm. so it was very astute and just came off good. And it's a tribal council question, which those are important to get throughout the season. So stuff like that. Yeah. And she's one of these like old school, but new school players, you know what yes, I mean? Like very in the middle. Line. Yep. Like literally the middle. Right, like almost as I think the closest. I mean, Sandra, obviously, but yeah, closest other than Sandra, closest first time. Sandra transcends almost. Yeah, well, yeah, because Sandra is all eras, right? She's mm-hmm. old, middle, and new school. Yeah, but, but yeah. if you're just taking their first appearance, Sophie is the closest to middle. Mm-hmm. Um, which again is really good for her because that was a theme, mm-hmm. and yeah, like I also like I don't know, she had a little bit of her age content too um like i'm 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 very very happy with sophie and i think it's gonna continue to be yeah it was sort of something when i came off the first watch being like i feel really good about sophie but is that just me and then i sort of rewatched and looked at a little bit of the narrative online and been like yeah this this makes sense people are getting what's being put down so yeah like also like a hundred dollars to anyone who can show they this is facetious not actually legally binding uh can show that they ever would have expected Sophie to be, be more visible than like Nick or Sarah or you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she's pretty dang visible. Yeah. Like so, a major player in both halves. Yes. And I thought she was a top candidate to be invisible. Mm-hmm, for sure. Like a Courtney Yates almost. Yes. Like, good for her snark, but nothing else. Yeah. This almost reminds me of like if Courtney Yates wins what she looks like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Super good. Anything else on Sophie? Nope.
We'll go to Tony. What What are your thoughts on to- Tony Joe? I think he looks about okay. Like he's not on like the top tier. Like I think looks good in some way, but like I have an eye on him. Like it's definitely calmed down. Like I really liked his confessional about lowering their guard. Like mm-hmm. that felt really uh, prescient and smart and looking forward. And yeah, I'm eager to see where it goes. Thinking about it a little bit after, I feel like we maybe didn't get as much of Sarah and Tony as I would have liked. Because I think if Sarah's not winning, which she probably isn't, and Tony is, like, I feel like that's that's Kagi on again. So like revisit that to some extent yep i i agree with that kind of missing distinction like like him not bonding with sarah and having like a bond honestly with anybody is kind of a little bit of a red flag for Mm -hmm. him winning that said if you take that away if you take away like needing a relationship his content was very good you're right that confessional was awesome he had a couple really good ones where he's like i want to be doing this fun stuff but i'm on house arrest Right. It kind of gives him a little bit of an excuse. You know what I mean? He's on probation. He's uh, like, he can't really do what he wants to do, but he's playing well. He's giving good confessionals. I really liked that he was like, no, we should keep the big targets around. He got to see through Tyson, which seems huge to me. I don't think like this is one of the like better incarnations you could imagine for Tony. Because mm-hmm. he's not like I predicted Abby Maria. You know what I mean? Like, right everyone's trying to use him as like an attack dog and that's not what his role here was mm-hmm. his role here was like strategist game bot guy funny is he from what we saw is he playing the best game i think so like he's saying he knows he has good reads and he's doing the right things like i will say a point against him is that he didn't get his way like he mm-hmm. knew keep amber and rob together and yet that didn't happen but like so. when you think about it tony probably has the highest chance of screw like like if tony does like honestly he's probably on the biggest watch right like he is right he does need to be on house arrest because if he acts up they he's an easy target Mm -hmm. and he's like must not must not speak up must not speak up then he hears his name out there and that's when he pops off right and he's like no tyson is too good i think you're right i think there's a legitimate claim that tony is playing the best game right now i mean it's hard to say with that middle group being like Mm. we are actually the ones in power but like yeah, it's like you or Tony. Like, in the spirit of the moment, like, short term. He's playing his individual game the best, I think. Yeah. But he is on the, not in the cool group, unfortunately. No, he's but in the yeah, group. Tony's going far. Mm. I think. I think I think he really is. To me, this reads, like, at least merch. I think Tony's making the merch. I guess he, yeah, yeah. I think that sounds right. I was going to say he has War Dog vibes, but I don't necessarily feel that war dog made the merge yeah but it, i'm sort of thinking like tony won and then war dog was the tony that didn't win but i don't yeah it's not quite the same it feels like the version of war dog that tony would be when tony doesn't win the game that's probably fair <laughs> though i do think i have a hot take here. maybe it's not tony looks more like a traditional winner in this episode than he did in kakia <laughs> that's true <laughs> right like <laughs> that's the other weird thing it's like yeah, yeah. Tony's original win looked like a crazy man. He did not look like a crazy man in this episode. If these were all players new to you, if there were no previous winners or poker games to speak of, like Tony looks really good. Yes. The problem is he's Tony. And yeah, yeah 100%. So mm-hmm. he's he's in my top five for wow. uh, winner candidates. I think he's number five, though. Hmm. Um, yeah, he could win missing the bonds, but... Mm-hmm. He's on the right tribe, got the right content, seems to be playing well. Yep. 
All three boxes. Excited to see where it goes. Yep. And he was so fun, too. Yeah. As a character, he was delightful. Like, Um, I I don't go for a Tony, but like, I don't know. This season is hard because I'm like going for everyone. Like, everyone's kind of great right now. So agreed. Agreed. I kind of wish he was a little negative, but that could probably come. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we have Tyson. What a Joe. Do I make Mm, this? Okay. Tyson is the one for me that I sat there forever. Like, is should I have him or Sophie number one? Because I could not decide. He got all this amazing content about his kids. He got um, the brilliant line of uh, forfeit this war or forfeit this battle to win the war. He honestly, like I usually find kids stories as somebody without kids kind of lame. He actually made me care about his kids mm-hmm. because he was like, yeah, you're right. Normally this is lame, but it's what I've got. I am a like survivors, my occupation, you know what I mean? Like I'm a professional survivor player. Never heard that said before. And I just thought overall Tyson was really, really strong in this episode. He, I like that. We kind of got the start of this Tyson versus Tony war. Mm-hmm. Very good. He is how Kim Spradlin should have looked in this episode. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's just, it is really hard. I think the distinction between him and Sophie is Sophie feels like what you would give the winner. If you're trying to be a little sneaky about it, like mm-hmm. maybe not broadcasted everywhere. Tyson feels like, look at this very rootable, funny man with children to support literally because this is his job. Like, don't you want mm-hmm. this person to win? Okay. I think that's a brilliant way to put that dynamic. And that's a hundred percent my internal debate. So now I have a question reflect question back at you. Because this is for $2 million, the prize for what effectively will make them pretty dang close to inarguably the best Survivor winner of all time, right? Like, um, in terms of status. Okay. Do you think Survivor will just overham the winner, um, right? Because this is them creating an icon. Do they just, is this a coronation? Almost inevitably. If it is, it's Tyson. Hmm. But like, because hmm. <laughs> this mean, isn't regular Survivor, right? Like, this is random group of people this is all winners this is the closest you'll get to like the fantasy like, if you're a football fan like having like i wish i, I should not have done this but like <laughs> i'm a wrestling fan i'm gonna go with this like hulk hogan versus the rock versus john cena versus like some guy from 1800 like like oh that's a royal rumble right exactly yes it's a royal <laughs> rumble where but you know what i mean like you never get the chance to have icons together and when you sure. do you over I think you can, you do have the luxury of being like, look, this is the greatest ever. The the second coming. Okay, I think I will say two things. Okay, first, I think if Survivor is doing that, then yeah, it absolutely makes sense for Tyson. Because you're not, when he did win, he was negative. Like, we saw the full extent of Tyson. And I think this is a great start for that. Absolutely, like, killer. Like, if Tyson is winning... You're showing him as this nicer guy. I imagine we'll get a big strategic side. I mean, we saw bits of it here. So there's that. But the second thing is we've ostensibly had seasons that were the greats all compete against one another. Your heroes versus villains or your all stars. And I don't think they went anywhere close to those extremes with either of the winners, you know? But I mean, like on Heroes vs. Villains, no one in the entire world is arguing that Coach is the greatest player of all time, right? Like, mm-hmm. no one's arguing even Tyson's the greatest. No one's arguing that um, Courtney is. There's a legitimate, like, there's probably some random person out there that thinks every single one of these people is the best ever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that is different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think the possibility is there. I just think Survivor is sophisticated enough. And I feel like that is cursed words to have just said. 
Sorry, I was mm-hmm. sophisticated enough. But I do feel like they would not just make a straight go of it, which I guess they probably won't hear either if Tyson is winning. They're going to start really positive and then they will show sneaky moments, I think. Yep. But they're really clever and they really make you root for him. What a great yeah. game player, great person, great winner. Don't you just right. want to be his friend? And, okay, so I, I think a lot of people talk about the friendship mo- or the his family moment. And like, like, I think that was a huge. But I think him making the fire and then being like, oh, classic Tyson up to your old jokes and whatever. You know that subtitle line when he's yeah. making a fire and they're like, ah, classic funny Tyson with your jokes and cleverness. It's like he's making a fire. Like, mm-hmm. He's a like um like he wasn't being funny in that moment. You know what I mean? Like to me I think it was just going a little too hard in the hey, not only is he um like a great father and playing this game and everything, don't you remember he's the funny guy? Remember me great like <laughs> I feel like sometimes Survivor has a little bit of a problem of like doing like one upping itself a little bit too much. We saw this with Tommy when it's like he's a good dude and also he loved his grade five teacher and Oh, Jamal admires teachers so much because his grade five teacher saved his life. By the mm-hmm. way, Tommy's like that too. Haha. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think Survivor can overindulge a little bit. And that to me was that overindulge moment. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. But now I'm thinking, because you brought up fire, I'm thinking fire making loser or just fire making adjacent. Because, like, is he like fire? Ma- like, is he just related to the fire making situation because he has made fire? Nah, I don't I think, think so. he probably just made fire, to be honest. But Janet made fire last season. It's true. And she was out because she became a good threat, who is also very positive, very lovable. So I don't know. I get the battle between Sophie and Tyson. I think that is the battle to have after this first episode. Mm -hmm. But right now, I think logically I'm hitting Sophie because Sophie is in just such a better position than Tyson. Because I think that like the reason why I ended up picking Sophie over Tyson is because even if they're going for the coronation that I was kind of like a little bit devil advocating for, um, it, that could still be the start of it for Sophie. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, it she could doesn't be the, look bad. Yeah, it could still, or it could be the more sophisticated. Like there's, there's more options where some of Tyson's uh, plot lines could be, he leaves too early because he burned too bright. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's very, very possible. Right. Whereas Sophie is, Sophie's making, like, to me, it's a longevity thing. Like, Tyson could not make the merge. Sophie's 100% making the merge. Yeah. Tyson has a little bit of Stephanie Johnson vibe. Yeah. Just, he's so exposed. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to Wendell. (laughs) I want you to talk about Wendell first. Okay. Um, so you've got this four. We've talked about Sophie and Nick. Sophie obviously looks really good because she's second to Yule. Uh, you got Nick, who was very barely in the episode, but had, those important lines and you knew he was there wendell felt very auxiliary to me just like not like the number of this alliance like nick should have felt like that but it was Wendell. and like i don't know maybe it's me like glossing over his like uh i was gonna came out here to build relationships not build the shelter thing but he didn't feel he didn't feel seated into that alliance the same way the others do that makes them feel like better winners to me yeah, I think that's actually an excellent point. And I think that's kind of why, like, a lot of the arguments you're making against him are kind of the reasons I'm high on him. To me, Wendell would be third behind Sophie and Tyson. Hmm. He got to just dominate the start of this episode. Like, one thing I noticed immediately was early on the characters that they were paying attention to, the characters they weren't. I don't think it's a coincidence that Boston Rob did not talk till like 35 minutes into the episode. After that, he was very visible, but like, 
mm-hmm. wasn't there. Amber was speaking. Wendell was speaking. I think the single thing that puts Wendell above most of the cast is with the Knicks and the Adams and uh, the Jeremys. The Benz, whatever, all these super fans. Wendell gets to talk about being a super fan and how much that means to him. Hmm. Like, that's who Jeff asks, right? He's like, Wendell, you applied 400 times and made it. What does this feel like? And then Wendell gives like a crap. Like, I don't think Wendell's a particularly fascinating speaker. Like, he's like, oh, you know, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And says all oh, a bunch of times, like, they chose to air that. I'm sure other people had better things to say than what right. Wendell ended up saying. And it just reminds you, hey, this guy's a super fan, builds him some uh, credibility. Then we get him talking about his experience around camp. They remind us, hey, Wendell's the guy that was the builder guy, in case you forgot. But he knows he doesn't want to be that way, but he's been thrust back into being the builder, guys. That's why he's doing it again. But don't worry, he has more up his sleeve this time. To me, there's just so many positives there to Wendell coming out as a real power player. I feel like he's a main character. And Wendell being a main character... I just don't think he's that interesting to be interesting on his own. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, if he's third boot, he's not getting all this content. So that to me means he probably goes really, really far. Hmm. I am. I feel like I'm more convinced. I don't know. It's just, I think we have this exciting alliance of like Nick, Sophie, Yule and Wendell and Wendell feels very Tommy and that like, he's the, like, yeah, the, the most boring choice out of those four, I think. I agree. I don't I I don't want it to be the story of how Wendell wins from this, but it could be. It really, really easily could be. Yeah, um, I do see it. It's interesting because thinking back to Ghost Island, it was Wendell's amazing premiere episode and like how we just doubted it from there on out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like I think this was a real like like his conf- like he got to introduce this tribe. You know what I mean? Like it's like Wendell isn't like a charisma giant and he's the one being like and so our tribe comes here and like I'm trying to not be the builder guy but I'm thrust in this position. He gets a story right away, and I think that's really, really good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's another one I, I I feel like is in the merge. I feel like this fo- is the four. Like I feel like it gives me i2 four vibes yeah it just yeah it feels strong there was no i mean this is just episode one but there's no indication that these four would be leaving anytime soon like no one's on to them just feels very solid you'll even make sure to mention that it really does feel it just touches on so many things like you said i2 four feels like uh the majority alliance on upolu from Mm. south pacific or they just have a solid hold. Just it does. Wow. All they need now is like them to have specific roles. You know what I mean? Like, because right now you have, um, like Sophie behind Yule, Yule mm-hmm. the leader, Wendell the builder, kinda. But I think we need a little bit, like, because I feel like in South Pacific you did have that. You know what I mean? Like Sophie was the one who managed to coach. Albert was uh like the indecisive one. Like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so i don't know hmm. i don't know i i see it more than i did do you wanna yeah we'll move uh, here to... well no i was gonna say do i want to move him to the top of my list uh, i think i'll hold on for this episode but i'll be more open to it next episode for sure that's fair that's fair so we'll move finally to the living players to yule who was the main character in this episode right like for sure it's kind of every week we're gonna have to be talking about yule last which is a little unfortunate just because he is so front and center I feel mm-hmm. like he's so obviously making it far. Mm-hmm. I don't. I. I don't think he wins. I feel like. I feel like this is. Wow, he's impressive. Holy crap! Look how good he is. And one of his allies wins. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I feel like I can't deny it at this point. So he's my number three. Sorry, which number? Three. Cool. So like, I feel like it's just 
too much to deny. We've been in a period of really strong, complex characters from the get-go winning. Mm -hmm. So I feel they might not be so subtle as to make it one of his allies. And honestly, especially with the coronation thing, right? Like, sure. If they're trying to make a new survivor icon, like they did it with Yule in this episode. Mm -hmm. But I definitely get the hesitation because it feels like the way that the security of this four feels good for the other three almost feels bad for Yule. Yeah. It's too easy. It almost gives me Boston Rob and Heroes vs. Villains. Hmm. Like this alliance is going to carry the game with him Mm -hmm. which isn't great but you're right like for me he's what i have yeah okay so i have sophie tyson wendell yule he's number still with a ton of equity Mm -hmm. and in a way i do think modern survivor we've always been we've been begging for like the second person to win in the last like five you mean like i feel like every time we we have the winner and we're like i would love if it's jack i would love if it's dominic i would love Mm -hmm. if it's and it's always not it's always whoever established it so it's wendell it's tommy um yule fits that pattern 100 percent, like you said right he's clearly amazing at this game like in the same way that this episode made me be like oh maybe kim isn't so great it made me be like do i need to relook at cook islands like because i've always had the caveat of like okay well anyone can stupid super idol and a bunch of advantage mm-hmm. like it was you really that great like but like this was impressive right yeah i just i don't know it feels too good to be true is sort of the consensus that came away from that. It's mm-hmm. like, it feels really easy. It's not like he didn't have like content against him. I think he got a lot, like he was also getting a lot. You played so long ago content mm-hmm. in a good way. And then, but it just, it just feels wrong. It feels too easy. And I know that could have killed us last season. If we were like, Tommy feels too easy. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, another thing is like he in that um i don't even know what to call it like the what's equivalent to the intro thing where it was like adam saying the fireworks are coming out and like you'll got a line in there um hmm. so i think that's a pretty big deal um like that he was chose to be kind of emphasized on mm-hmm. i also thought it was very clear that they were trying to tell us he's over hyping how little he knows like he's go- like when you're seeing him in camp life he's being like oh my god, I haven't played him so long, like, what's going on, like, and then his confessionals are like, I use game theory and math to win. <laughs> like, yeah. he's not coming off like an old school winner mentality. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because I don't think, it didn't really tell us that anyone was not onto him, except for Sophie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what does that mean? And, but Sophie likes him. Like, she's onto him, but she likes him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like, like Yule has a ton of equity. I feel like, I feel like he's our main character, mm-hmm. main strategist narrator, anyway. Yeah. And the other thing is like Nick having that fire tokens confessional thing. Um. I don't know. Yule talked about fire tokens. <gasps> I feel like he makes a lot of sense to be the person to do well there. Um. So yeah. For sure. I mean, you think of like planned voodoo, which wasn't his plan, but he adapted it and yeah. made sure it wasn't used against him. So amidst other things in Cook Island. So I feel like he has the the ability to be that one who is using the fire tokens to their advantage. For sure. Which is like, I don't really think of Sophie as someone who has that or really even Tyson, like Tyson a little bit more, but like mm-hmm. not, I don't know. I 100% agree with that. The mm-hmm. other thing I want to say with Yule in Island of the Idols, we got these weird flashbacks at one of them. It was like the skill of um, persuasion mm-hmm. and it was a flash cut to like poverty getting uh, Eric to give away the necklace and uh, like the, the classic ones that they always show, you know, like, right. like 
Eric, James, blah, blah, blah. And then smack dab in the middle of it was Yule convincing Jonathan Penner to flip to his side, which needed a bunch of explanation and really is not, I don't think it's ever been referenced since that episode. Not in like Survivor. Yeah, not in Survivor proper. Yeah. Like people talk about Eric all the time. People talk, you know what I mean? Like there are Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Jonathan Penner flipping over to Yule. Not one of those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it getting such a spotlight there is plus this amazing premiere makes me think that's not a coincidence. They really wanted us to remind us who Yule was. Yeah. To at the very least value him, if not mm-hmm. uh, enjoy him when he wins. Yes. I had my parents had no idea who he was. Um, and I was like, are you kidding me, parents? Like, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> I like could just call your parents parents. <laughs> right. Like, um, like, who's that guy? He seems pretty cool. <laughs> They also didn't know who Sophie was. I mean, my parents just forget who everyone is. Like that too. I say a name and they're like, who? Mm. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I've disowned them after they were rooting for Tommy and not Nora. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're not former parents. <laughs> yep. Um. So yeah. And that the last one is Amber, who I felt so bad for. Like, yeah. Like who would have thought such a spectacular episode would come from Amber? Right. Like, what an amazing character she was. She was there to play. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I, I feel like this is one of those ones like 10 seasons from now. Amber should come back. Like I want Amber mm-hmm. without Rob. Right. That's what I want. Like tattoo that on my face. Uh, hashtag <laughs> that. Like Amber literally was so fun. She was there to play. She had the right ideas. She was trying. She looked for idols. She gave awesome confessionals. Mm-hmm. Like, and she got voted out because she's Boston Rob's wife. And she's not Tyson, who was tricking them. She's not yeah. Kim, who was literally collapsing. She yeah. was just Boston Rob's wife. And that had yeah. to go. And that's, that's why she got voted out. Like, she wasn't even at the poker game. <laughs> like, this girl wasn't even at the poker game and she got voted out for the- mm-hmm. Um, So dumb. Like... I feel so bad for her. Imagine, like, you know, because, like, I don't know. People have always been, like, Amber's the bad winner. Boston Rob basically won that season anyway. Nah, yeah. You think about it, like, Survivor's probably, is, like, such an, like, a crucial part of this girl's life. Like, like, she was, like, 21 in Africa or whatever. Um, Comes back for All-Stars, meets her husband. Uh, Like, she's married to Boston Rob. They definitely talk about Survivor all the time. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> She's mm-hmm. definitely been thinking about it forever. Like, oh, should I come back? Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. She does. And she just immediately like hits wall, falls over. Like, yeah, she had zero chance. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the thing is, in this season, she still has a chance. <laughs> I don't know. She's, do you? She has a better feel... win chance than Natalie. I think she has a better win chance than Rob. <laughs> uh, Amber's not winning the challenge to go back in. Well, that's I mean, that's the big hurdle. right? It's like get back in game but listen like, unfortunately i think edge of extinction is many like very like smarter than me people have pointed out massively benefits males um like just because the challenges that you know they're gonna do are gonna be like lift the heavy thing um i don't know i just it makes me so nervous but i think I, amber has no chance i don't think okay so i'll put that aside because i get it like it's really hard to believe that she wins this challenge but think about this premiere Think about how you just talked about Amber or Kitch Mariano. True. The uh, like forsaken winner, almost under the radar in Australia. But like we love her and we want her to come back in 10 seasons. 
But what if she came back in 10 episodes and won the game? Like, honestly, like, you know what? Amber, Chris Underwooding it would be okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. You kind of have a point. You're kind of convincing me. I mean, she's not. She's just above Rob. And Rob is in the middle of the pack. Because so. she had some of the most confessionals in this episode, right? Like, right. up there. Mm-hmm. Um, She was one of the biggest characters. I thought she was fun. You might have a point. Like, and maybe it's just, we've just seen men traditionally do really well in Redemption. But, like, Tina came back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. may- maybe that's being judgmental. Maybe it's being, like, a little bit uh, unintentionally sexist there. Just assuming. Because you're right. Like, on paper, she looks fine. Mm-hmm. I think I just hate Edge of Extinction enough that I know nothing happy will ever. Well, and the problem coming from this is that she's going to be there for a while. And we know it can be horribly unreliable when it comes to content yes like chris had great content at times but he also was invisible at what we thought were totally wrong times so and mm. not just what we thought objectively were wrong times um <laughs> but yeah like i don't know so she's, for me i think she's gonna be in that murky middle for a while i agree like it kind of depends on how like raw backs around her how maybe yeah like, like realistically we could almost we could see like virtually zero amber content for the season Mm -hmm. and like this like the like that's the thing is like you're right like all that stuff that you're saying like you just said that about amber burkish which fair um i would flip that and say maybe that they like that's it that's true it was like like a really good two-hour send-off for amber mm -hmm. because maybe like if they have to compete for these uh advantages She's like already up against Natalie. Yeah. So like maybe she just doesn't have a lot to contribute. But it's very, very possible. Like, I don't know. Really, that's the impossibility of Edge of Extinction. Is that and do you like I just don't think that they would like we know how much Jeff loves Rob. They're not invisible in Amber. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna give her like they're gonna make her look good if she's the second boot. Right. Oh, I yeah, kind of think sure, that's sure. what they did. They just gave, like, look, she's looking for idols. She's, like, hmm. I don't know. That's what I think it was. But your idea is not bad. If someone's going to come back, I don't hate if it's uh, Amber. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the Decal tribe. It's clearly much better. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and hopefully that doesn't continue. I honestly hope Sela uh, gets more next episode. Yeah. I'm curious to see how things are really fleshing out of out for there. Sure. So that brings us to our predictions from last week. We had predictions for the first confessional. And... I predicted Parvati, you predicted Ethan. They yep. both got opening confessionals, uh-huh. but it was Tony. It was Tony. So, Rude. it is interesting that a lot of the people that we listed off as people that we are considering as winners got really early confessionals. I think that's a coincidence at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's something. Mm-hmm. Most confessionals, you predicted Rob, I predicted Tony. Who was it? I... I'm trying to look right now. I don't think either. Of, oh, I mean, I think Rob tied for first, maybe. Okay. Okay. So we'll give it to you. Rob definitely had a lot. Yeah. It was like Rob, Parvati, Natalie, uh, Tony. Hey. Oh, no. Tony only had three. Sorry. But mm. my who, my counts are like different from everyone else's. So maybe maybe Amber had the most. Don't know. Well, I feel like Rob had more than Tony anyway. So you get some sure. points there. Okay. You successfully got both the boots. I got zero. <laughs> I was ecstatic. Both of I... our winner picks were not fantastic. Um, you picked Kim. Not a great episode for Kim. I picked Nick. Not a great I was, episode. I was actually talking about who won uh, Survivor Season 24. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I do think <laughs> I win. <laughs> oh, poor Kim. Poor Kim. I'm now of the opinion that Kim definitely should have stayed home. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> 
um so i guess who do you think is leaving next um i'm gonna curse it again i'm gonna say parvati no (laughs) fourth winner pick but like it feels correct okay well you're canceled i'm going with adam Uh, no adam is like too like too edgy to go (laughs) i think it's i think it's adam or danny but well danny's a good second i feel like it's blue i feel like blue is getting destroyed Mm -hmm. but yeah um and yeah, yeah i mean my list i've said it's sophie tyson wendell tony no yule tony i have uh sophie tyson yule ethan parvati <laughs> okay cool that's not Parv- list. parvati who is going home <laughs> parvati is also leaving i mean season. it's possible it's, anything it could, could happen both. in this season <laughs> why not both <laughs> um so yeah that's our show um you can email us at the winner edit at gmail.com you have new episodes on saturdays and sundays usually um we love your feedback thank you for listening mm-hmm. you can follow me on twitter at danny kills bees follow joe at jchapman9000 we i don't know sometimes we tweet a lot sometimes we don't tweet i don't but tweet a lot when you do tweet though it's i have good, good content thought tweets in my mind but then i get too ashamed to put them out <laughs> you do have to lower all shame to be able Ugh, to tweet that's that's my weakness a good portion of my followers are people that knew me from high school and i'm always a little bit embarrassed with survivor so um it's the thing that primarily motivates me so that's our show peace out see you next week see ya apologies to kim spradlin and if you were watching closely we love you that was a clue got the million dollar check written already i mean i'm i'm the winner my wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons last time i played like a cop this time i'm playing like a criminal i don't need to be are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them i guess my nickname's fabio